Skywalker episode three, touching on episode three, Revenge of the Sith. All right. Yeah. Yeah. We yeah we just rewatched it. Yeah. What do you think? It's um. Uh, it's uh, it's a very fun film. It's a very fun film, in my opinion. It's pretty. It's, it's pretty bad. It's yeah, pretty I, I I kind of stand by what I said before we watched it. Which is that I think it's the worst prequel. No. Nah. Clones is probably worse, but... Clones is worse. Every every time we've watched one of these, I've been like, it's so much worse than I remembered. Yeah. This one... This one has a lot of stuff that I used to think was good. And now I think is completely horseshit. Like, Grievous. I mean, we'll get into it, but... Everything I used to think was... Like, I, I saw this film when I was, what, 10 years old? I could once, at one time, probably say every single line from this movie by heart. I loved this movie when I was a kid. I thought it was the coolest thing ever. Oh, this is the only prequel that I watched multiple times when yeah. I was a kid. I remember always renting it. Oh, yeah. At the at the video store. Like, always rented this this movie because I really liked it. And it wasn't just the movie. Like, I had the Lego set. I played the video game, which has deleted scenes from the movie in it. I remember a friend of me, mine had the game and really liked it. The game's good. The game's actually like surprisingly good. It's like a um it's like a full scale beat 'em up. Yeah. Yeah. And you and like, like alternate between Anakin and Obi Wan and they have different power sets. And yeah, and they had like different uh endings. Yes. You, you could you could go into the evil ending and Anakin kills Papatin. And Obi Wan. And Obi Wan? Yeah. yeah. Uh and I remember the funny thing about that game is that you could use the lightning power and yeah. in the first mission. With Anakin. Oh, yeah. Because he's the, already... Yeah. yeah. The, <laughs> he figured it out from when he got lightninged by Dooku. Yeah. Um, so this film comes out in 2005. As we were discussing before, an incredibly good year for movies. Peter Jackson's King Kong comes out that year. Batman Begins comes out. Madagascar. What else came out in 2005? I feel like it was a really good year. I mean, um, this was the highest grossing film of the year. War of the Worlds comes out. War of the Worlds is pretty good. It's a, it's a good first half of a movie. Yeah. As soon as they meet Tim Robbins, it kind of stops being good. Yeah, it has. But Munich also comes out, which is a fantastic movie. Sin City. Brokeback Mountain. Oh, Charlie, Charlie the Chocolate Factory. Walk yeah, the yeah. Line. Yeah, it was a good year for dramas. Pride and right. Prejudice, Match Point, Lord of War, Constant Gardner. Oh, Sky High. Oh, my God. Oh, man. Best movie. Man, Sky High is, Sky High is awesome. The Island? Wow. So Spielberg's having a huge year. Yeah. Because he produced The Island. That's his first Michael Bay that he produces. Hitch, Robots, Fantastic Four! Damn. Isn't it, isn't it weird to think that Fantastic Four and Batman Begins come out the exact same year? Jesus Christ, is that true? I yeah. never thought about it. And that. Constantine! Wow! Hanging in there. Man, Syriana. Oh man, so apparently um, the new Doolittle movie, which is directed by Stephen Gagan, who directed Syriana, apparently, according to crew members, it's like really, really... It was a very messy production 
and another director, I can't remember who, was called... I think it was Jonathan Liebsman, was brought in to direct something like 20% of the movie. Mm. And Stephen Kagan apparently didn't want to pre-visualise any of the scenes with the animals. So, apparently it's just an absolute nightmare. And, um, yeah, it seems... It, the, put it this way, the fact that they're releasing it in January and it's meant Ooh. to be this big studio movie... Ooh, general releases are not... Nah. No, not for blockbusters. They normally are like... That's, that's the month of the year that they dump their films like... Yeah. Like Assassin's Creed came out in January. Yeah, but Assassin's Creed was just a sleeper hit waiting to happen. Yeah. I watched... Literally yesterday, I, I've never seen it. I've heard things about it. It's awful. Oh, yeah, I've, I've heard you tell... It's directed by Justin Kurzel, who yeah. is like a huge Australian director. It's, who, he's an Australian director and not like... I don't apparently like, he's pretty good, right? I don't like his films. I don't think I've seen any of his films. You haven't seen Snowtown? Nope. You haven't seen uh, Macbeth? Nope. Like, I've seen Snowtown and Macbeth. Um, Snowtown is one of the most shocking films I've ever seen in terms of tone. And it's very oppressive in that way that a lot of Australian kind of shock horror movies are. Mm. Like, it falls very much into that camp of um, Saw for me. Where it's the original exploited. Saw? Or... No, sorry, Wolf Creek. Wolf Creek. Oh, Wolf yeah, Creek. yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, Wolf Creek. Um, where it's almost exploitative, like the punishment that they give you as an audience watching people do these awful things. Okay, interesting. Um, and unlike something like Chopper, which I showed you very recently, it doesn't yeah. have that beautiful bit of reprieve, which Chopper does so well. Is like laugh, 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 laugh. Stop laughing, and I love that about Chopper. It's so clever. Um, and yeah, I I, I put on Assassin's Creed's um parkour scene. There's barely any parkour. No, nope. in the whole film. No, nope. it's 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 and and the only parkour there is you can't really t- tell what's going on. That's nuts. It keeps like, it's such a frantic frantic film. It keeps cutting constantly. You know, a scene it's... that visually reminds me a lot of Assassin's Creed what? with the action is um, weirdly that scene in Aquaman, where they're like running across the roofs and. Like, oh yeah, I, I think it. I told you after we watched the film. Oh, like, that, that was like what an Assassin's. That was Creed, like yeah. that's what Assassin's Creed should look like. Yeah, totally. I mean, maybe more dramatic. A bit more dramatic and. Um, yeah, it should be like that, like going around buildings. I mean, it should be that Casino Royale chase, but set in you know ancient Italy. Yeah, set in ancient yeah. Italy, which yeah. will make it. Really, really or, cool. or um, Venice because that's the coolest setting from any of the games which ones have you played because I've only played oh. one two you've played all except Syndicate wow I didn't finish Origin because it was right after I played or- Odyssey and I was a bit tired is Odyssey playing. good people say it's good I love Odyssey maybe one of my favorite games of last year you, your choice I really what? liked it I really really liked it biggest problem biggest problem in that in that game yeah is that uh, is the XP mm. system is I heard horrendous? This. Yeah, I heard that. You it's... need the XP boost, right? That's which nuts. costs a bit of money. And if it wasn't for that, I would say it's one of my favorite. Oh, did games. you pay for it? I got it <gasps> because the game no! was unplayable. Otherwise, that's I, nuts. I got, well, I got the game on on a sale. Oh, okay. I got, I got the game cheaper, so I was like, okay. I'm moving How much did you end up spending on the game to finish it? Well, it's just. No, you, how much you, is the XP boost? You get a speed boost and it lasts you f- uh, the whole game. But how much did it cost? It's like, it was like, not $10, $7. Are you serious? Yeah. Otherwise the game, the, the progression of the game is is completely ruined. And that's what, that's what completely screws up the game. 
Yeah, wow. Apart from that, it would have been one of my favorite video games. It's, That's I nuts. Really like it. That's so nuts. I, like, I'm trying to think if I've ever spent money on DLC that wasn't like a map pack when I was, you know, 15. That's like the state of video games right now is so fucked. Um, anyway, Star Wars. Star Wars video games. What is Star Wars? Remember when Lucas... This is, this is something we're going to get into with the Disney films. But like, the worst thing... I think the first thing that really tipped me off that the Disney reign of owning Star Wars was going to be really tough for fans of Star Wars was when um, LucasArts game division got shut down and people like Pandemic lost their lost their games. Like, Star Wars oh, Battlefront 3 was like a month off being completed. I thought Pandemic was closed before that. No, Pandemic was still open. No, I'm thinking of Free, no, Ra- Free no, Radical. No, 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 no. Free Radical. Yeah, you're thinking of still open. Free Radical were developing Battlefront 3. No, uh, Battlefront 3 wasn't nowhere near completion when Disney took over. I've heard that it was close. No, it was, you're talking. You're thinking about Star Wars 1313. Yeah, 1313 was that way is close. That game that was really close to being released, yeah. and then they sat it down. But that was, that was a game that had a huge problem in development. Yeah, because Lucas changed it to a Boba Fett story, I've heard. Yeah. Yeah, like they it had nothing to do with him, and then they he changed it mid-game, which was the same as the Darth Maul game wasn't originally meant was to be a, about Darth Maul. There was a Darth Maul? Yeah, you can see gameplay of it online. It looks kind of wicked. It's like a God of War style um, slasher. Interesting. Yeah, pretty interesting. So, um, yeah, Revenge of the Sith. Um, where, which cinema did you see it in? Do you remember? Jesus Christ. Uh, in Spain. Yeah? Yeah, I remember. Did you have a go-to theater? Oh my That's, God, I what? have a story oh, good. on the day I saw the, uh, Revenge of the Sith. I do too, I think, yeah. It's, it, my story is pretty interesting. Yeah, tell me, tell okay? me. Yeah. So... I saw the the Phantom Menace in theaters, like I said yeah. last time, and then I saw Attack of the Clones, and I fell asleep through it yeah. because it was so boring. And then I remember when uh, this movie came out, when uh, Revenge of the Sith came out, yeah. my sister went to see it like the first week that it was out, or like mm-hmm. the first weekend or something, and she was telling me about it, and like she was telling me about how much she liked it and all, and all that, and I was I started to get really high, excited for it. So we decided to go the next weekend. And I was on my holiday, in a holiday place in Spain, in like this small town called Cullera, yeah. which is like in the coast of Spain, of Valencia. And we, we booked tickets in like this, uh, on a Saturday or something, for like the afternoon screening, right? I was really, really excited to see this film. Like I couldn't stop thinking about it. Yeah. I remember before it, I had a, fr- I had a friend, o- uh, I think I, I had a friend over, right? And like we kept talking about Star Wars constantly. Oh yeah. Like, we, like of course, as kids, you always talk about your favorite franchises, right? And, and as adults, apparently. Yes, as adults as well. Yes. And that day on the beach, I got stung by a, uh, by a venomous. You sure is fish. Yes, I have my. I have what my fish scars. was it? Uh holy shit! You've never shown me that. Nope, I have a lot of scars. Uh, <laughs> it was. I got stung uh, by this venomous, venomous fish, right? And I don't, I don't really know the species. But yeah. I know what it looks like, but uh, I got stung. There's not, there's barely any po- uh, poisonous or venomous fishes in Spain. Right. There's barely any. Yeah. So like Australia, which is filled with them. Yeah. Okay. There's and I've never any. ever been stung by anything. I've venomous. never heard of any ven- dangerous fish in the Mediterranean the one time I've been bitten by a venomous animal was in Fiji which was a hornet <laughs> yeah uh, okay I couldn't walk the whole right. day oh on the day God. I couldn't walk and I was really worried I was going to miss the screen <laughs> the film. and I and I 
I had to like, and I, by the end of, by the time that it was the time of the screening, I could actually walk and I was like trying Hobbling to Hobbling into the theater. Yes. And there was, uh, you were like Anakin were like, trying to climb out of the lava. Yeah. And there were like a lot of stairs up to the, to the theater. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. So the day I saw the run to the seat, I got stung by a fish that was trying to stop me from watching the film. That's pretty funny. <laughs> you know what I bet you though? That venomous what? fish looked a lot better than most of the aliens in this film. Oh, what makes you say that? What was more painful? Watching this film or being stung by the venomous fish? Oh. Like, I loved this film when I first saw it. I thought it was a bloody masterpiece. I thought mm-hmm. it completely solved the problems of the other two. No, I never thought that. But, um, you know, we would always act out the fight scenes, like on, on the playground, mm-hmm. you know. We'd do all the lines. I always thought Grievous was the coolest character because I was a moron. Um, yeah, me too. I still think so. Oh, man. God. Yeah, I... I um. The marketing around this movie, I think more than any other movie, was so ubiquitous in culture. Like, I remember when Batman Begins came out that year. I do not remember any of the merch. I don't remember the trailers. All I remember from that year is Star Wars. Marketing everywhere. Because Vader's in it. So Vader's face yeah. was everywhere. Vader was he was on, he was on Serial. You know, he was everywhere. Oh, I remember I cereal, that um, yeah. the local newspaper, the uh, the Mercury, had this giveaway where you could go to the newsagent and get these collector pins that were like little holographic pins where like you'd rotate them and it transformed. So like mm. the big one was, of course, Anakin transforms into Vader and Palpatine transforms into the Emperor. I think Obi-Wan transforms into Boga, the lizard mm. that he rides. I, th- I think in, uh, in Spain, we had like in the Happy Meals. Yeah. There were like this small lightsabers that were like three inches or something nice. and like they had like inside of them they had a, like a ball game but like m- m- I remember all the kids in the pre- pre- playground like playing with them with miniature lightsabers <laughs> yeah see in, in Tasmania we just used sticks and we'd hit each other like full contact yeah we don't have sticks like that in Spain yeah well, not yeah. long strong sticks there you go bring your plastic three inch <laughs> lightsaber against my but tree. mine look real Mine looks like yeah, Ours sounded real. Ours <laughs> sounded as real as any other lightsaber in Star Wars. Um, yeah, I... I um, this was a very important year for me in retrospect because Star Wars was, of course, the big thing that I wanted to see. And then later in the year, because I think Star Wars came out in May. Came out, no, in... in, in I'm pretty sure Revenge of the Sith came the out in summer. May. I'm pretty sure it was June or July. Would have been around then, actually, because it um, would have been around my birthday. Because the movies used to come... Like, Star Wars movies used to come out in, in summer. King Kong come out. Because King Kong... Yeah, King Kong comes out December. King Kong was, like, one of those movies that... Seeing, for the first time for me, what was possible with computer-generated technology and really mm. getting it. Because you get that sense of Star Wars, but because it's alien worlds and because they're very highly stylized and designed... You don't really see the real world application of this technology. And, you know, I only recently watched Lord of the Rings on like a little VCR TV. So I didn't have the full appreciation for the scope of, of um, realistic graphics going on there. But seeing a monkey that is huge, that's being motion controlled by another human, suddenly made me think, oh, wow, that's what this technology can be used for. And that's what a realistic kind of CG approach can look like. Like, I loved King... I, I, I don't know if we've ever talked about Peter Jackson's King Kong, but I adore it. Really? We talked about it. Do you like it? I like it. I, I like it I a lot. It, I think a lot of people, like, groan when they hear about yeah. it. Yeah. And it's like... Ugh. And it's like, well, it's, it's not that bad. It's really not bad. Like, it's... it's not that bad. It's very saccharine. Like, it's a very... It's very earnest. Long. 
Yeah, it's long. It's, it's very long. And it's incredibly sincere. Like, it's about... It's one of the most sincere movies ever made. Hmm. Like, it's a movie about the movies of the 40s and... The 30s and the 40s in America. And the movies in the 30s and 40s in America were not that nice with the way they depicted, you know, everyday life and people. Like, for a movie that's paying homage to so much classic Hollywood cinema, it lacks any of the depth or the stakes or the drama of classic Hollywood cinema. Have you seen the classic? Which one? The original King Kong? Yeah. Yeah. Ages ago. Yeah. I th- I think the original King Kong because... kind of... Like, everyone's kind of scummy in that. Like, even Anne Darrow, I remember being kind of like... She's sort of like a, a, a mischief maker. I, I thought Jack Black was a bit of an asshole in, in, in the, the movie. Remake. Yeah. No, he is and an asshole. The, and then there is the, the, the main... But, but the, he... the lead guy that is also an asshole that abandons them and comes back later. Yeah. But... He, he's probably my favourite part of the movie. Kyle Shambler. Yeah. He's actually really good in it. You know who I think sucks in it? The girl? What's her no. name? Oh, who? Naomi Watts? She's awesome in it. Is she? No, I was going to say... Um... No, the guy. Yeah. Pianist. Yep, Adrian Brody. Adrian Brody. I just watched today. It's an I, awful, I didn't know he did this. He's an awful action lead. What are the other... Oh, the pred- Predators. Which he's fine in. Yes. It, it's weird that he's the he lead looks of really small. Who is a worse lead of a Predator movie? Boyd Holbrook or Adrian Brody? Wait, who's the first one? Um, Boyd from uh, The Predator. Oh. Brody. Adrian Brody's so much worse. No. I think Boyd Holbrook's a great actor. I think Boyd Holbrook... He's terrible I think he's a good role. actor, but I think it's terminate. It's a... they're, te- they're Predator. It's one of the... It's so bad, I can't... I We're can't... doing Predator at some point on this podcast. I, I guess. five movies. Six, if we're counting AVP. Oh, fuck yeah. Both AVPs. Oh, I don't want to talk about Requiem. I want to see it. I haven't seen it since the theatres. Yeah, I watched so it. So I kind of want to watch it I again. I can't believe you saw it in theatres. I always assumed that was a straight-to-DVD. It wasn't It wasn't? It wasn't theatres. Do you remember the marketing around AVP 1? Like, that was an event. That was like a serious, huge film. You know who directed that film? Yeah, I know. Paul W.S. Anderson. Paul W.S. Thomas Wes Anderson. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Big one of those. But, like, it's weird that he directs that, because all he's done before then is Resident Evil. So it's kind of nuts that he gets handed that. Mm. Like, that's two of the biggest franchises Fox has. Yeah. And they're like, the previous guy... Did Resident Evil make a lot of money? I, I don't know if it made... It must have, but I think it, it was pretty cheap, so... Yeah, it was a really cheap film. Anyway, uh, yeah. Um, Batman Begins, did you see it 2005? Uh, funny thing, I saw The Dark Knight. Yeah. Not knowing that The Dark Knight was a Batman film. What the fuck are you talking about? I had a friend who I, I always went to the cinema, cinema with. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. We always went to the cinema like almost every weekend or something. Yeah. We always went to the cinema together, like, to watch something. And he told me, oh, let's watch this movie called The Dark Knight. You're right. The Resident Evil films made an obscene amount of money. Uh, Resident Evil 1 one. made $100 million. No, they all have made, like, yeah, they all pretty decent money. money. The first one made $102 million against $33 million. Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah. That's good. Um, yeah. Anyways, The Dark Knight. I went to see The Dark Knight, and then I go to the theaters, and then I saw all the posters and all that. And it's like the Joker with the... Yeah. With all that, and I'm like, wait a second, is this a Batman film? My friend was like, yeah, it's a Batman film. And I saw it, and I loved it. Yeah. I don't believe for a second that you didn't know that. I didn't see Batman Begins. I was alive in 2008. There was not a single place you could go where there wasn't marketing of that movie. I was in a different country. I know, but that's nuts. 
I was in a different country. Imagine if you hadn't known until the movie started, and then you hope it on the Joker scene. You're like, this crime drama is wicked, and then Batman shows up like 15 minutes. In. It was something like that because I was, I wasn't expecting it to be that dramatic or anything. Yeah, it's great. I, I hadn't seen Batman Begins, so I'm like, hey, we talked about whoa, the, we talked about it in the last podcast. We'll probably do Nolan when uh, Tenet is coming mm-hmm. is coming. Mm-hmm. So let's uh, let's not give the dark. Let's Tenet not give Tenet. the most talked about movie outside of Star Wars any more talk time. You tell about how Star Wars begins and why it sucks, and I'm grabbing my charger. I'll bear it back. Do you want to read the crawl? I don't want to read the crawl. Oh yeah, funny thing about the crawl. Very Hurry up, yes. Funny thing about the crow, in this film, I think it's the only crow that doesn't have like politics in it. It starts the first, the very first word is war, in exclamation, and then it's something about you know the uh, the Lord, the Sith Lord Count Dooku is taking over or something, but there's no politics in the crow. Baron, can you believe it? You're here now. Politics in the crawl. There's no politics in the crawl at all. All the other Star Wars films have politics on the crawl. Yeah, and weirdly, this film probably is the most political. And this is the most political one. This one actually deals with how governments fall. And by deals with it, I mean it barely deals with it at all, except for a couple of scenes. <laughs> by deals with it, you mean uh, it just happens. <laughs> they say, oh, well, let's make the empire. No, no, you're forgetting the most important line, which is he declares that he has power, unlimited power. Unlimited. Ah, I thought that was literal. Like, he had like so much power in his fingers and the light. Uh, no, it's in. both, Gabe. See, George Lucas is a very sophisticated writer, and by showing that Palpatine is able to generate power, it's also reflecting the fact that he has metaphorical power in government. You see, it's much more clever than you're giving it credit for. So you're telling me that Kanduk also had political power? Well, he's a count. Of course, he did. See, this just means he has money. Now, you like this opening scene, this opening battle scene. I think the visual effects look pretty cool. I think they look good compared to clones. Yes. Yeah, that's right. But you know what? You know, this is the thing about something like um, Peter Jackson's King Kong. That's a terrible example. This is the thing about movies that use CG in effective ways. The problem with the way that CG work goes in movies these days and this is what people like Ang Lee don't seem to understand is that you essentially have several houses at usually one or more in the case of Star Wars I believe it's just ILM doing all the principal effects because it's George Lucas's company and of that facility there's you know around 1500 artists at capacity less usually because there's multiple offices around the world and the thing that makes films like Take Shelter which is a very cheap film that has like two or three very sophisticated visual effects shots, looks so good, or Blade Runner 2049 looks so good, is that they are able to, using special effects supervisors and VFX supervisors, look at the movie and decide which way they're going to approach the effects for each of the different shots. And often, when they need to save money and costs, because I'll remind you, this film has 2,200 visual effects shots. Which I think was the most of any movie up until this point. The original Star Wars, Episode 4, how many do you think it had? Visual effects shots. Oh, we can't do backdrop? Yeah, everything. Backdrop? Yes. Guess how many shots of the whole film. This Revenge can't of the... backdrops? Revenge Probably of the... 100 or something. 350. 350? Yeah. So it's more than... It's a think. lot more. Yeah, it's a lot. 
It seems like a lot. It's really not, though, in this day and age. Like, by this point, we're at the point... Because Oh Brother, Where Art Thou comes out in 98, and that is the first film that has every single shot as a visual effect. Because of the um, because of the way they um, colour-graded the entire film. Yeah. And now every film has every single shot as a visual effect because we do the same thing. Like, I work on corporate videos now where every single shot is digitally retouched and digitally graded. Of and course. Yeah, everything is digitally touched up now. The problem is, when every single time you're seeing a guy in a suit, like a clone trooper, and that guy is CG, you then have to have 15 to 20 artists working on that scene just to make sure all the guys look right. And the thing that's so clever about guys like... I hate to harp on about him, but Nolan is that he's like, I'm going to spend a huge amount of money up front to build some of this stuff practically. So then when it comes time for in inception, us to build all these collapsing buildings, that's all that the VFX team needs to worry about is these five minutes of buildings collapsing rather than two and a half hours of CG battles. I'm pretty sure they blew up the building. In inception. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know that. I just wanted to say, you know, when the VFX team were told to do it, he was like, yeah, no, we're not. We're doing it for real. Do you remember how crazy it was that for Interstellar, he like flew a spaceship into a black hole and just filmed the whole yes, thing? Yes, I know, right? That was nuts. How weird was it that Matthew McConaughey found that bookshelf and Nolan just filmed him? Yeah, it? it's weird. I submitted that fact to um, to True Movie Facts about how one day um, Matthew McConaughey got so high with Woody Harrelson on the set of Interstellar that he actually couldn't work. And so Christopher Nolan used his dream technology that he developed for Inception to go inside Matthew McConaughey's head where he found the bookshelf set and filmed all of that. You like that theory? It's true, man. It's real. I, I know a key grip who worked on that yeah, film. He was like, yeah, that's right. it was crazy. Nolan just whipped out his dream machine and we were all, <laughs> we were all on Matthew McConaughey's <laughs> wild ride. He almost has it on him, right? Murph! Murph! Um, you know what this film could have used more of? Special effects? Matthew McConaughey emoting. Yeah, my big thing with this opening battle scene is that they're in the middle of like an aerial dogfight, right? Mm -hmm. The first line that they deliver is something like, oh, master, the ship's right ahead. And he's... They're so subdued. Like, I, I've complained on every single one of these episodes about how wooden the acting is. Yeah. This movie truly is inexcusable with how subdued these performances are. Because at least you can argue in Phantom Menace with the scenes that I've nah. pointed out. No, you can. Nah. Because it's people sitting on a ship in a peaceful situation, talking to each other. It's people on Coruscant discussing politics. Maybe they're bored. Who cares? Attack of the Clones. You know, they're just chilling out on our planet. In this film, they're in the middle of the most extravagant battle you've ever seen and they're like master the ship's right ahead we should turn left this way and it's like no you're in a f like he should be screaming out oh my god look at this we're gonna fucking die remember when uh, Mace Windu lands in Genosis and he just walks up like he kind of like faces he strolls up to the soldier and he says sir the battle's going good yeah remember that yeah it's, it's all the same it's always it's the same in all three films yeah it's really wooden in all three my, my funny thing my complaint about this opening scene like yeah. this opening it's way too long battle right the, the battle not the whole scene is that General Rivers' ship takes them seven minutes to get on the ship General Rivers' ship yeah it's just a ship what do you want it to be? it's not different than the others there isn't like a whole fleet around it trying to protect it or anything it's just a ship in the middle of space yeah I've run other ships that looks the same as the other ships 
Like, there's not like, like the Super Star Destroyer in, I'm sure it's not called that, but that's what everyone calls it. Yeah. Looks different, and you know it's important no, just it is, by it looking at it. It's a Super Star Destroyer in Return of the Jedi, yeah. So yeah, it's called yeah. the Super Star Destroyer. You look at it, it's bigger, you know that that's the bad guy's We're going to talk about this later on when we get into the podcast, but this movie does a terrible job with cinematically emphasising things that are significant. Yeah. And Grievous' ship is the first great example. I mean... Yeah. The introduction of Grievous is a, another good example. Like, the first time he's introduced is when they board the ship, and he just comes in and he's wearing... Oh, you like Grievous. I think he is almost... I like Grievous I think he's almost more worse than Jar Jar. As you say that, I think I like Grievous because of Clone Wars. Yeah, well, that's not fair. You gotta, that's not fair. In this film, he's But I, I, think, I think Jar Jar is a lot... Like, you say Jar Jar is... Like, Grievous is worse than Jar Jar? I don't think so. Grievous... I, I think sucks. Jar Jar is a lot worse. You know who did the voice of Grievous? Yeah, you told me. I forgot. Yeah, the sound engineer, Matthew Wood. Do you mm. know who was going to do the voice of Grievous? Oh, uh, who? Gary Oldman. Oh, I wonder because, why he turned but, it down. Uh, well, allegedly because of a union dispute with the Actors Guild over here. He couldn't do it. Oh, my God. Voice. So, Gary Now, Matthew, my... Matthew Wood is also not Australian. Matthew Wood is... So, I don't know why he was able to. So... I feel like part of that is... Um, well, I told you how Liam Neeson was meant to have a role in this as a voice performance, and then he yeah. uh, kind of walked away. Yeah, I wonder why. He visited the set, though. Well, yeah, so did, but you can do yeah. that. Yeah, so did Spielberg. Just look visited the set of one of the new Star Wars films, I'm sure. Ooh, do you think? Just look visited the set of... He must have visited Force Awakens. Yeah, of course. He yeah. must have. But, um, how great is that clip of George Lucas directing Game of Thrones? I haven't seen the clip. You haven't watched it? No. It's really funny. Okay. George Lucas is like really funny. He looks like relaxed. It's nice. Does he direct the best scene? Yeah, yeah. No, he's directing a scene between um, Daenerys and Jon. And then he's like giving Daenerys a whole bunch of notes. And he's like shouldering Jon off. And he's like, yeah, so I just want you to do this and this. And then he looks at Jon and he's like, I don't really care what you do. You just do whatever you want. And he's just like totally focused on her. And it's really funny. And everyone like gets it. (laughs) I'm like, ah, man, he's good. He's good. I would love... I don't know, we just saw a film of his. I don't think he's that good. I would love to see what would have happened if George Lucas... If Star Wars had only made $500 million instead of a billion dollars. Because look at Spielberg. Like, Spielberg has had many more successes than Lucas. Mm -hmm. And he's still hungry. Like, in every film he makes, even the films that don't quite work, like Ready Player One, don't you feel like he's still trying to do stuff that's creative and innovative? Yeah, but I I honestly don't think George Lucas is as good as Spielberg. I haven't seen his early films, to be honest. Mm. But I don't think George Lucas, like... I think he excels in uh, several specific areas. Yeah, he excels in some areas, but he... I don't look at the prequels. They are really, really bad. I would... Like, Same. in many, yeah. many ways. It's not yeah, just yeah, yeah. one specific thing. It's not just the acting. It's not just this or that. It's a lot of bad things on them. Mm. And, like... I would say George Lucas is amazing at two specific things. Which, watching these prequels and watching his early films, I think is true. Which are... He is unquestionably one of the masters. If not, like, the master at visual shorthand for um, establishing characters and action. I think he is Whoa, so clever what, at it. What do you yeah. get that from? 
from the original Star Wars. From anywhere Ant- in the yeah. prequels. Where does that, that does where does he that do that in anywhere near but, the prequels? Oh, with the way the Jedi introduced in Phantom with the robes, with the the kind of reveal of them. What oh. they just moved their hood hoods over? Yeah. But the way that he uses holograms, I don't know. He no. Just, I think he's... You're wrong. The way that Maul is introduced, I think he's... What, he's just there? Yeah. He just appears and moves, crosses his arms? Man, you gotta... You try. You try. The other thing that he's amazing at, which no one can argue, is he's an incredible... Um, he's an incredible pioneer of world building. He is... Yes. Without question. I thought that was going to be your main point. That is my main point, really. Okay. He, and in this movie, you see it more than any of the prequels. Like... Every five minutes, there's a different world that you're going to. Mm. And they're all pretty interesting, like, visually. The problem is that there's no depth to them The problem is that you didn't spend any time on them. That's what I mean. He's good at iconography. I think the one thing he's really good at, often, is iconography. And playing on classical iconography. I uh, say he's really good at taking Kurosawa's... Some of Kurosawa's... No idea. No, you've lost me. Yeah. Some of Kurosawa's things, I'm like... Take them, like mm. some of Kurosawa's uh, stories or ideas, and adapt them on his own way. Because when people say, you mean Hidden Fortress, when people right? say Hidden Fortress, which isn't Star Wars. They, they say, oh, Star Wars, like I, I once said, yeah. I want to see a Star Wars like film, but in like uh, Japan, like yeah, and people Japan, immediately right? say, and people say, well, that's Hidden Fortress. We saw Hidden Fortress, and they have nothing in common. It has nothing Some in common with Star Wars. characters, I guess. Well, that's what Lucas has but acknowledged. He's like, the that thing much. that I took from Hidden Fortress wasn't the plot. It was the fact that it's told from two low-level status characters. Yeah, so uh, I think three PO. I think he was good on on doing that and taking. Uh, uh, like ideas, like yeah, so is, images. So is every director. So is fucking Spielberg. No, and but the, the, nowadays you see all these films that, like, even Joker takes a shot from King of Comedy. Which shot did you mean? I want, to, I want to talk about which shot. The you final shot of the Joker in the asylum. Oh, because in the he's asylum, chasing the he security goes guards. In the, That's right. in the ride. And then the guy chases him, and, and, and he then he the goes other way, the other yeah. way. I forgot and they do yeah. that in King of Comedy. It's the exact same shot, but in same King of Comedy, timing. it's way better. I think they're both alright, but like when I, when I saw it in King of Comedy, it's like so Joker I'm just so glad ripped watched, this off. I'm so glad you watched King of Comedy. It just ripped it off. It should have ripped more stuff off, honestly. We're not talking about Joker though. We're talking oh, about Star Wars. Oh man. Nope. We're talking about Star you Wars. You really like Joker, right? We're talking about Star Wars. Do you still really Wars. like I'm not it? Like talk in, about in retrospect? Yes. I'm gonna talk about Star okay. Wars now. All right. Okay. All right. You you brought it up. I didn't. I didn't bring it up. It's all I, you. I just said they land uh, on Grievous's ship after a very uneventful encounter with some droids, and we have the. It's like a roller coaster of like scenes. There's so many small so beats. How long does it take for them to get to Coruscant? Because all it's like, stuff like doesn't almost really... twenty minutes. It's more than twenty. I think it's. I think it's. Oh yeah, no, you're right. It is twenty-four minutes. It's like twenty-three minutes into the movie. Yeah. Yeah, when they land. Yeah. Yeah. And like every... Nothing every... matters except that Go- Dooku dies and Palpatine persuades Anakin to kill him. It's just random... I mean, nothing happens. That's pretty important. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty not... massive. It's, uh, yeah. he, it's the main villain of the last film. And he just now, dies in the a first lot of people claim that the thing that is good about these prequels is that they depict Palpatine's rise to power, which you and I have refuted on these last two podcasts. Mm-hmm. I think this mm-hmm. film makes a stronger case than any of the other films... 
Because this film has to play so much catch-up with Anakin and Palpatine's relationship. Yeah. Like, all through this film, they talk about, oh, your relationship with Palpatine, your friendship with Palpatine, you and Palpatine are much too close. Mm -hmm. We Mm -hmm. haven't seen them interact at all outside of that one scene in Clones. Yeah. It's nonsense. It's pretty nonsensical. It's kind of like the Obi-Wan and Anakin relationship. Yes, it's very much. Oh, they're best friends. And um, they talk about it. You don't see it. No, you don't see it at all. they talk about it. One thing I want to briefly mention, so the battle's happening over Coruscant, right? Uh-huh. Like, this is a, a huge battle. Uh-huh. Business is fine on Coruscant. Like, yeah. no one's freaked out. It's, it's, no it's... one's no one's panicking. No one's evacuating. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Can you imagine how interesting the opening of this film would have been if we saw Palpatine get kidnapped? And, like, we saw Separatist ships firing on Coruscant? I, yeah. And we had, like, buildings collapsing, and it was, like... Scary. I, I don't know when it came out, but there was the animated series. It's 2D animated, not the 3D animated Clone Wars. Yeah. But there was a Clone Wars series, which is kind of like a bridge from Attack of the Clones to Revenge. Right. And the final couple I've of episodes... I've seen the movie, not the... No, the movie's awful. I've heard the movie. So no. Well, uh, it's it's the 2D animated series, yeah. which is not the same as the 3D one. They're different. It's also directed it's... by Jendi Tarkovsky, right? I don't know... He's the uh, he's the guy behind Samurai Jack. Yeah, no, that that, yeah. that guy is yeah. great. Yeah, Jindo um, Tarkovsky. The funny thing about that uh, the Clone Wars thing is yeah. that they they kind of like do the canon between. It's meant to be canon. What actually yeah. happens in between the two films? Yeah. You see where how C-3PO gets the cloak of gold. You see Anakin get knighted. You see yeah. the interaction of Grievous, and you see how um, uh, the Chancellor is kidnapped. And, right. and it ends on the start of this film. Cool. There's a huge battle on the city. Great. There's not, Where nothing, is it? There's, there's, there's nothing. There's nothing in this I don't know if they made it before the film or yeah. after this film. Okay. Now we, so, I don't know. Maybe they just made it up. We come to my, my biggest problem with this film, and I think you're going to disagree with me about this. I actually think that what they do to Padme's character in this film is one of the worst character assassinations in... <sighs> Certainly in any franchise I can think of. Really? Yeah. Any, okay, any franchise? I, 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 there's a worse one in this franchise. No, I don't yes. think it's worse. I think this is much worse. How is this... Okay. Padme in film one. She is an assertive um, young, young queen who is trying to preserve her people's way of life and preserve their safety. And she is willing to like travel across the galaxy to try and get help to fight back against the army that is um, dominating yeah. her society. Film two, she is hunted. She is um, under threat, yet she still is able to, you know, have fun and be be jovial. And at the end of the film, as you pointed out quite quite rightly, she is the one who says, Anakin, we've got to go save Obi-Wan. I'm going. You've got to come with me. She takes charge. She becomes yeah, the, the, clone, she becomes the, the leader. Clones, yeah. And in the bloody clone battle, she's there. She's fighting. She's the one who, like, tries to shoot down Dooku at the end. She's, like, a fierce warrior senator... She's like a cool character in the first two films. Mm-hmm. They don't do much with her, but she's pretty cool. In this film, she is transformed into Anakin. I love you. I'm gonna have your baby. I'm just gonna wait around until you come home for me, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so I can have your baby. You're you're right about this. You're completely right. Padme, uh, Luke Skywalker oh. goes from trying to save his father, and the only thing he wants to do is save his father. Yeah, to wanting to kill his. Nephew, because he saw a vision. The one thing that's, that's say, an assassination that is worse than this. The one thing I'll say to defend that is that there's 30 years of character development <laughs> off screen between that. This is like this is, this is like fucking two years, 10 years. Two Come years, on, two years, two years. It's like two years. It's how long do the Clone Wars go for? 
A long time. It's really? not two years. The Anakin Wars, hasn't aged at all. Clone Wars is meant to be the biggest event be, uh, before, you know. Anakin hasn't aged. It would have been but, cool but if he, he was old. But he aged... 10 years in 5 years so maybe I think we can both agree I, I think we can both agree that the impact of Clone War of the war in this film is not felt nope at all nope and and they're going to a sh- yeah. show later in the film oh yeah and they go They go to the and everyone's like yeah. really rich and, and like nice now General Grievous um hate his voice hate his cough it's George Lucas's cough did you know that? yeah you told me yeah they recorded like his cough he, he liked the he, one day they were, he was like well, this, about... this sneak behind him one day he, when he was sick he was like <coughs> when he was eating his and, salad and they, were, they just recorded him from the, behind why Why is that photo of him eating the salad so funny because it's David Lynch oh he loved salad can you tell this story I don't think you've told it on the podcast no I haven't told it on the podcast do you so... want to save it for Return of the Jedi though well we're going to forget about it nah you'll remember okay I remember you'll remember okay, well, let's, ju- let's just keep bringing it up in every episode but yeah. not telling it yeah alright you got to tell it now we've brought it up People okay Google so David Lynch, yeah, he great director. is a great director. A great director that I don't love as much as everyone else. What's your What's your you favorite? Don't love him that much, I don't really? love. I don't love him. I, I love. Um, You're an Ele- idiot. We're not friends anymore. I love yeah. Elephant Man, and I really like Mulholland Drive. I haven't seen that much of him. His I really like Twin Peaks, but anything like, Twin Peaks that I, is awesome. Anything that I've seen of him, it's pretty. A Razorhead's great. pretty great. I, I, I seen Razorhead, Mulholland Drive. That's Lost it. Highway and Blue Velvet just don't do it for me. I have only seen Eraserhead on Mulholland. Mulholland Drive. Do you love uh, which which one do you like more? Would you say? I think Mulholland Drive probably. I thought like you'd be more. so big on Eraserhead. I really like Eraserhead, That's but like so you. I, I think about it and I'm like I can only remember like a couple of scenes from it. Yeah. Which is the baby at the end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's hard yeah. to forget. <laughs> and like when when he goes when he first goes to see, um. Uh, the family yeah of her family right yeah. and then there's that old lady that she gets like her uh, cigarette on oh her she's so good and it's like Ugh. yeah but then I think of Mulholland Drive and it's like man there's so many amazing bits that's in true it. there's the singing there's, there's the there's funniest the, the comedy the funniest comedy scene of all time where people keep coming in into a murder scene so he has to keep killing them oh that's so good yeah he has to keep killing people because they keep coming in I love the um the guy played by uh just, oh, Justin Thoreau, who like comes home, the like director who comes home to find his wife with the other guy, and then like he gets pink paint like all over him because they're painting. Yeah. And then the cowboy, how he goes out and meets the cowboy with no eyebrows. It's so good. Yeah, it's great. And then there's. All right, the, I love David. Lynch. And then there's the, 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 the drive, the dive, the what? The diner scene, which is the most amazing oh, scene of all time. Incredible. Might like, be the best scene of all time. I'm this is this is saying I love about how great movie scenes sort of act as small short films in a larger story. And that scene is 100% typifies that. Well, that scene is just a short film. It literally is just a short film. <laughs> it's just film. a short film in, in, in the film. It's so good, though. Um, anyway, David Lynch, he got contacted by George Lucas. Yes. Uh, to see if he was interested in, in filming, uh, directing uh, the third of his great franchise, Star Wars, Return of the Jedi. Right? Yeah. David Lynch, which is... He did Doom... Which he I think just done Dune? He just done Dune, I think. I think and it's it was a flop, right? It was a flop. Dune? Yeah, yeah, huge flop. It was a huge flop. So he gets contacted. <laughs> you know why it was a huge flop? Why? Because it starred bloody Sting and um, his guy. Yeah, it's, oh, it's a kind weird... of uh, Kyle, Kyle. It's also a really weird film. Like, really, really 
weird and are you, are you keen bad. are you keen for Vill- Villeneuve's Dune yeah because he's a good director like Dune no it's before Dune 83 is Jedi okay so yeah. he gets asked before Dune he's uh, just done Elephant Man and a Razorhead so it's really early in his career okay that's really early in his career yeah. Yeah. for some reason George Lucas liked him and he wanted him to make uh, the last of the Star Wars films and it's a really funny in, uh, interview with David Lynch that he describes describes his yeah. meeting with George Lucas as like extremely bizarre, or bus, bus bizarre, right? Yeah. Which is like from David Lynch, one of the uh, one of the weirdest directors in in Hollywood history. Yes, yeah, so w- tell tell me tell me like A to B what happened at this meeting that he said. Well, he uh, he pretty much goes meets with him. He tries to get into his studio, and there's like a bunch of like um, uh, secretaries that take him at Lucasfilm. Yeah, it's Lucasfilm. They take him to Josh Lu- Lucas, and they Josh Lucas takes him out in a drive, and I think it was in a Mustang or something like that. It's yeah, really right. Nice some, car. some nice car. Yeah. And he takes he takes Lynch uh, to a salad bar. Yeah. And he, David Lynch says it in the funniest way. He says, "This it's a." restaurant they only serve salads and he said it was so weird and I don't know it's really funny to think that Joe, uh, David Lynch thinks that George Lucas is it's weird it's pretty funny it's yeah. pretty funny yeah I mean I was reading these amazing uh, collection of um, filmmakers shitting on other filmmakers and there was like one hilarious one where I think it was um, I really don't want to get the names wrong but I think it was Ingmar Bergman just like crapping on Spielberg <laughs> And it was so funny. It was like so bit. It was so bitter. I just couldn't get over how how bitter and hilarious it was. Um, speaking of uh, filmmakers shitting on other filmmakers, um, this week we have it has been decreed by the film gods that uh, Marvel films are now no longer cinema and are in fact despicable works of art. I don't think Martin Scorsese is a film. He's a god of filmmaking. He's, uh, if he's not, then who is? If if Kubrick said it, I'd be like okay. Kubrick would have shat on Marvel films. He yeah, would have I hated them. Did you see that photo I seen of Kubrick holding the M60 yeah, from Full Metal? It's so good. He's, like, <laughs> He's having so much fun. <laughs> That's the thing I love about Kubrick is that everyone's like, oh, he was so serious and he was so like have you seen, intense. Hell, have you seen Doctor Strange Love? He's not that serious. I love... I, I told you it's I listened really to like this, th- this three-hour interview with him the other day. Like, yeah, I know. He's one of the most elusive directors who ever lived. And for some reason, there's this three-hour interview with him where he just talks about like his favourite football team for 20 minutes. Yeah, you know, um, you know, I know the three-hour thing. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, All right. it's the this love story. It's podcast because we're taking too long. The love story in this... I thought we were going for three for three. Yeah. On this one. We did one for one, two for two, now we're doing three for three. Yeah. Francis Skywalker is going to be... Mate, we're 29 minutes in, we're doing well. Yeah, we're doing well, right? <laughs> hey, that's almost half the ratio, we're doing good. Yes. Um, And then we have the greatest scene of Star Wars, which is, I love you. It's because I'm so in love with you. So love has blinded you? I think that's the worst one. No, no, that's not what I mean. That's the worst one. So love has blinded you. That's That's... Well, that's the awesome. one scene where she pushes back a bit, and it's like it could be. Good. What? And no. Then immediately flirting. after that, They're I just want to point out. I just want to point out to everybody who hasn't rewatched this film and is going to rewatch it. The scene when Natalie Portman is on the balcony telling Anakin how she wants to, you know, have their baby back on Naboo and all of this stuff. Did we skip over the fact that she's pregnant? Yeah. Yeah. So Padme's pregnant. Padme's pregnant. And we Hayden Christensen, that's the best bit of acting he's done in the whole prequels, which is like. He's shocked. He's shocked, and he kind of like... And he doesn't know how he feels. He's a bit scared yeah. about it. And he says, oh, it's, um, it's great. 
great. You know why he's scared about it? Because they're standing in the middle of a public street where all of their friends are and she's very loudly announcing, I'm pregnant, and they've just been kissing. And they're meant to have a secret marriage. (laughs) Like, they live in the middle of the city on a high-rise... She's like an incredibly famous they person. They live together. They That's live, so weird They to should me. live in like an apartment. Like they should have like a little secret getaway. Yeah, in you that, know, in like random planet. Yeah, like um, Ken Watanabe has in Inception. So Anakin's motivation for the film is to discover the secret to prevent death. And what does he do when he's feeling conflicted and he's got all these negative emotions? He goes to the smartest Jedi of them all, so we're told, Master Yoda. Yeah. Who immediately says to him... Yeah, don't uh, love anyone. Don't trust your feelings. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Maybe you should, like, just keep doing your own thing and, like, ignore about it. Ignore everyone else. And never come back. Attachment attachment leads to depression. Depression leads to anger. Anger Anger leads leads to murdering children. (laughs) Younglings. Murdering younglings. Um... Yeah, Yoda sucks in these movies. <laughs> fucking asshole. He's so rude. He's like, th- this guy that is mean, it's like, they didn't want he- to take him in. No. Initially. They were like, he's too he old. He comes, like, he's too old, he's dangerous. He's dangerous. They, they, say, they even say that, he's dangerous. Obi-Wan yeah. says that. Uh, he comes to you saying, I'm feeling like trouble right now. And you're like, yeah. oh, whatever. <laughs> yeah, and it's just... I know that apparently Palpatine is blocking their force, but just look at Anakin. He looks like he's having a hard time. Maybe, maybe Yoda should be like, maybe uh, yeah, what's going on with you? Maybe Yoda's blind. Well, he's not he, blind. It's stupid. He can only sense the force around him. Well, he sees that laser bolt coming at him later. No, he doesn't. He, the laser bolt misses. It's, he's not blind. Stop being silly. Stop being silly on this. This is a serious podcast, Gabe. Yeah, please, tell me more about Inception. Are you ready for my favourite line delivery of all time? In the next scene when Anakin is talking with Palpatine, Palpatine says, You will be placed on the... Sorry. You will be placed on the council, Anakin. And he says, Master, I'm overwhelmed. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, Master. I'm overwhelmed. This is everything he's ever wanted. If there's ever a time to see Anakin happy and overwhelmed and in joy and gratitude, it's this moment. I don't, I don't think George Lucas knows any of those emotions. He obviously does. He obviously does. I well, don't he's know. He's in his salad, I guess. <laughs> and I can just pretend that you're, you've got the chance to eat, <laughs> to eat a salad. Just pretend you have a salad. Right you've been so days. hungry all day, and now you have a chance to eat a salad. Oh, thank you, Master. I'm overwhelmed. <laughs> I'm so joyful. Yeah. Thank you, Master. I'm overwhelmed, I guess. Yeah... Palpatine and Anakin's relationship is very half-baked in this movie. And it sucks because that is the whole point of the movie is to see I them end up together. I, I point these out at the end. I have some you know the whole thing about heat, right? Where the way that heat works as a movie, people argue... Wait, is, heat is a movie? I think it was talking about the temperature. The door's right there. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, the, the whole argument that like screenwriters at our, at our school and people I've talked to have made about that movie is that it's structured very much... In the same way as like a meet cute love story, just with criminals, not intention- not intentionally, but like they hit the same beats that a love story needs to hit with the way these get- two criminals come together. But you can do that a lot with other films. Heat has a special kind of um, structure to it, where that's one of the things that it's most similar to. And I think this film sort of is that way with Anakin and Palpatine. No, no. Yeah, think about it. 
Think about it. They they have a few casual conversations at work, so they can't be too flirtatious. Then Palpatine's like, oh, Anakin, I'm going to the opera. If you want to come along, you know, you're welcome. I've got a plus one. I'll get all these people out. I'll tell you some, you know, sexy bedtime Sith stories. Then, you know, later on, when um, they're alone together, Palpatine's like, I can show you things. I can show you lots of new things yes, that you when, haven't when thought about. Together, lots of new abilities. When they agree to be together, they are not together until the very end of the film. No, no, they agree to get be together after they've after they've fucked. And then he's like, oh, I don't know about this. And Palpatine's like, Well, you go figure out your feelings. Go kill. Oh, a, go God, kill a bunch stop, of stop, kill stop. a bunch of children. Come stop back to me. Trying to make this metaphor. Ah, uh, yeah, like, yeah, weird. It's, hey, it's not as weird as Anakin Palpatine's relationship in this movie. So the Jedi are organizing the war efforts, which, considering there's a galactic senate of thousands and thousands of people, what are they doing all day? The senate? Yeah. Is George trying to make a point? Clap it. Oh, 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 you're getting political now. But like, we are, we are protectors of the peace, not soldiers, is infamously said in the second movie. The Jedi are like the commanders of all of these armies. Yeah. Every army has to have a Jedi. They, yeah. they, they are the generals. Yeah, they're so desperate for Jedi that they've got, like, bloody Kiati Mundi leading them. Now, Obi-Wan and Anakin have their first truly serious chat of the movie where Obi-Wan says, we need you to spy on the Chancellor. Mm-hmm. Anakin... Do you, think that, do you think that was all made up by Obi-Wan? What, the... Oh, that he just wanted Anakin to do that? Yeah. No, 100% Mace Windu's told him to do it. Yeah, I know. But yeah. It would have been funny if he wasn't. Now, my favourite uh, goof of the next scene, which is where Obi-Wan's talking with Mace Windu and Yoda, and they're like, we probably shouldn't put these two people together given that we're highly suspicious one of them may be evil and the other one may be easily corruptible. And Obi-Wan's like, nah, it'll be fine. Nah, it'll be fine. Yoda's like, yeah, it'll be fine. And my favourite thing is that they're flying along in one of those uh, clone trooper ships with the doors wide open and they're speaking at like... A temperature. Uh, they're, they're speaking at a volume slightly quieter than how we're speaking. Like, yeah, they're yeah. speaking like, like it's very right dangerous now. putting them together. I don't trust them. Is he not to destroy the uh, Jedi? No. Is he the not prof- to destroy the Sith? Unclear. And the bring balance ends. to the Force. Yeah, and the doors are wide open. They're flying through the city, and it's completely quiet. Yeah, and the last film, it was like. You were meant to protect her! Oh, something like that. It yeah, well, like, they're Obi-Wan, like, yeah. screaming at her. You will be expelled from the Jedi Order! order. <laughs> yes. But, uh, he was I angry. I always remember that line. But, but he was angry, so. It's, it's something epic. I line. can't leave her! Oh, man. And then, um, Anakin and, pa- and Padme. Well, always... so Obi-Wan doesn't do anything about their Romans? No, absolutely not. He knows about it. Yeah, he completely knows about it. Oh. Oh, I guess George Lucas forgot about it. George Lucas kind of forgot about. <laughs> Isn't it great that they're doing Star Wars now? No, no, it's not great. It's so good. No, it's not great. Man, Game of Thrones, you know, brilliant writing. All through. All through seasons one to four. Brilliant writing. <laughs> and then five was, uh, yeah. And then six was all right. And no, no, what are you talking about? One to four. Excellent writing. And six what a great right. show. Perfect show. You know, show. six is the only season with two... 9.9s episodes? What? Battle of the Bastards and Hard Home. Yeah. No, no, no. No, Hard Home's five. That's, that's five. No, no, it's Battle of the Bastards and, um... The Septon. Oh, the yeah, which I hate. I don't like the Septon bit at all. Really? I think it's actually where Game of Thrones... I think it makes sense. I think it's where Game of Thrones fell apart. What? Because the Cersei up until that point had always done things in a rational way, even though they're evil. 
She always, like, had a very strategic plan for dealing with her enemies. And usually it didn't involve violence. Usually it involved things like, um... Like, plan- like with Ned Stark, it involved, um... Staging this, you know, this fight between him and Jamie, And then when her brother's captured, she used it as leverage. Like, she was a smart operator. And then all of a sudden, she's like, nah, I'm just gonna blow everyone up. But she was... She was really... But she becomes Osama Bin Laden she was really landing. placed in a really fucking... Uh, that was her lowest point. She, she just reached, has to mount and walk in and kill the reached, high sparrow. She reached mm. her lowest point I get that. ever, and it was a really bad point. She got humiliated in front of the whole city. Yeah, I know. Just I saw to get, it. Get back I saw to it. Shit. So what's your excuse for that? Yes. Yeah. 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 It's, it's fucking dumb. It's like, not though. It is. It makes sense. She it's, blows up everyone. Yes. <laughs> blows up everyone that is fucking with her. Yeah. I just want to. I just want. That you. makes sense. Because Anakin and, P- and Padme, um, immediately after Obi-Wan asks um, him to spy on the Chancellor, they actually have a decent scene together for the first time where Padme's Wait, like... They? <laughs> yeah, Padme's like, um, this war sucks. Like, this war represents a failure to listen. Like, we need the but Chancellor that, but, to give up his powers. But and Anakin's like, sense. no, we need to give the Chancellor more powers so that the war could be over sooner. That's just politics for the... Just, uh, that's just, like, weird politics. But the fact that she says... This war is I just about, like that she has something to do all of a sudden. But she says this war is about people uh, not listening or something like that. Yeah. Doesn't make any sense. The separatists were never like a, a, That's true. a close na- uh, country next to them or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's kind the of The separatists weird. are just evil at the guys. Beginning, at the beginning of the movie, she literally says, I wonder sometimes if we're on the wrong side. And it's like, in the previous movie, they killed your bodyguard and handmaiden and several of your staff. They tried to kill you multiple times. Like, they they kidnapped you and almost killed you in fighting pits. Like, maybe they're not the best guys. Like, I know that... But this is the whole argument of the film that George is trying to make and I don't think comes across strongly enough, which is that in times of desperation, people turn to leaders... And this isn't at all relevant for today, at all. In times of desperation, people turn to leaders that maybe aren't the most stable of geniuses or the most good-willed of players. And I'm thinking about something. Yeah. So people say how the sequel trilogy has really bad politics. Like, you don't what? know... Really? Yeah, people, I've heard this argument a lot. Okay. How you don't know what the Republic is. That's like, different. What the First yeah. Order yeah. comes from and, like, how much... How, how do they have so much power? Yeah, And yeah. all this. What the fuck is, are the Separatists? Well, they're funded by um, Viceroy Gunray. Is how what does he have his money? Well, he probably sells the droids, is what I guess. But, like... Why but are they the, fighting? No, okay. There's a huge difference between those two things. The reason it works in Phantom is because you obviously can infer that there's been a long established reign of them developing these machines and they've become very profitable from it. The problem with going from Return of the Jedi to um, Force Awakens is that 30 years have happened and things are exactly back where they were before. And you don't have any context for why. Like The First Order is a much huger force. Than the separatists, no, much no, huger. No, it's not. It's pretty big. Separatists, okay. separatists, and, 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 and the Republic are pretty End big. End of Return of the Jedi. The Empire is destroyed. Like their largest military base is destroyed. There is nothing left of them. Luke Skywalker is the hero of the universe. The beginning of Force Awakens. The First Order is so powerful that they have built a planet-sized Death Star, and they have you know enough forces to deploy across the entire universe. Like as Luke, yeah, Luke Skywalker, like Ray says, Luke in Last Jedi, 
First Order will control all the star systems in several weeks. How does he know that? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. What? It's a pretty weird line. That's a weird line. The First Order's I, huge. I, I, still don't th I still don't get what Separatists are doing in this film. Or well, who, the Separatists... Or even who okay. they are. One thing that I'll say to, to um, support it is that at least in film two, you hear the guy from the Techno Union saying... Um, but but Count Dooku says basically we're going to combine the Trade Federation's battle droids with um, we're going to combine the Trade Federation battle droids with the super battle droids from the Techno Union so we're like combining all these different robots and all these different factions like the Geonosians to create one super army that the Republic won't be able to fight little do they know except they should know that they've got the clones yeah so I think they do a better job of setting up where all the forces come from than uh, Force Awakens does okay Anyway, moving mm. on in the movie, we have the great opera scene. Uh, How does this opera uh, work, Gabe? Oh, God. Uh, so when a man loves a woman... So, um, there is some bubbles. Like, I just, I just wonder how someone wrote that. How did you write that? Like, we should get the script. They, they have, like, uh, they have, like, uh, like, a couple of bubbles and, like, there's some dancings inside of it, like, going around. Like... Some people clap sometimes. It's the weirdest show. It is very weird. It's the weirdest But you know, our limited earth brains probably just can't comprehend the beauty of what but we're seeing. But everything else, it's very human-like. Yeah, I mean, when we go into the bar in film two, they're like gambling on pod racing. Yeah. Like, so it's very relatable. Everything stuff. else is very relatable except that. Yeah, and it that's pretty weird. It could have just been an opera... It could have been the opera singer from um, Blue Velvet. It could have just been fucking... From, um, from Holland Drive. It could have just been... Like, I... Budgeted mm. pod racing. That's yeah, exactly. Just make it like high. What in the middle of the opera house? No, like a huge stadium. Pod racing, like in freaking. Oh, okay. Like Harry Potter. Not Harry Potter. Quidditch. Not Harry Potter. Remember Quidditch? Yeah, it was cool. It... No, I yes, don't know. it was. I don't know. Yes, Baron doesn't like Harry Potter. I don't like Harry Potter. I like Harry Potter. Nah. I'm trying to think what from my childhood I still like. Like Terminator, that's the one thing. And even that But they ruined it even more than other franchises. Nah. Yeah. Terminator's still okay. No, it's not. Genesis tried. The problem ruined the, the, it, yes. The, no, you know what you know what's good about Terminator is that like if the movies ever get so bad that they like it's ruined, you just time travel back before them. But the thing with Terminator is that it only has two good films. Yeah. But other yeah, franchises have true. a couple more than that. I, I tried watching Salvation again recently. It's not good. It's got a great open, uh, not a great opening. It's got a great opening battle with Bale. Hey, um, I've got to show you the practical effects of that film. Yes. Something. You know what else we should talk about? Hey, that helicopter crash with Christian Bale. I don't remember anything. The of the when the EMP goes off in the opening of Terminator, I don't remember this is something all the audience members are going to know about. In the first like ten minutes, there's an EMP that goes off while Christian Bale's in the helicopter, and then the helicopter crashes, and you follow him in that helicopter crash, and it's all practical. And then he yells at a cameraman. It's yeah, amazing. Right. They just left it in the movie. They just left it in the film. He left you, do I go around ripping your fucking lights down? <laughs> I'm Batman. I think sometimes he'd just be like, he'd just go up to the to Shane Herbert, who is the DOP on that film, who he yelled at, and be like, Shane, I'm Batman. Fuck him away. How weird would it have been if Mick G did direct Superman? And then Christian Bale was in Batman, and they ended up working together. Oh and maybe there's a there's an alternate universe where Mick G ends up directing Batman versus Superman, with Nolan producing, instead of Snyder. It would have been ass terrible. 
or worse? I wonder if it would have been worse. It would have been worse. It would have. Is that Snyder? Snyder's when Snyder's interesting in that movie, he's interesting. The problem is that and he's interesting. He's copying. Is he credited? Is he a writer on it? I don't yes, believe. Yes, he wrote all of them. No, he didn't. Yes, he did. No, David S. Goyer and Chris Terrio are definitely credited. Yes, but he's also credited. Yeah, but like one of those people out of them all has written more. Told you, Chris Terrio and he, David S. Goyer. He's in the credits. I I know this. Yeah, of course, as director and producer and I'm like, writer. Like five more credits. In, I in swear the to God, he's he's only credited perhaps for story. I don't think. Yes, for story. That that's Which is not very his... important. Yeah, of course, it's important. I don't think he's to blame no, for how bad the no. script is. He is to blame how dumb the story is. Oh yeah, but that's my, tra- my that's my point. He was like, oh, let's make Dark Knight. I mean, uh, Dark Knight Rises. No, The Return of the Dark Knight. But let's. Are you fuck trying? It to, up. Are you trying to say the Dark Knight Returns? Dark Knight Returns. Yes. <laughs> oh wow! I didn't realize I gave it that low rating on IMDb. I can't believe you give it that high. That was from like four years ago. I can't believe you give it that high. I was bitter. I was Fucking really bitter. Hell. That's, That's one of really the... high. No, it's not. Yes, it is. A that four means... is a four is not high. A four is. He doesn't have a single writing credit. You're just making shit up. He's not? No, That's he doesn't have any weird. credit. I, I swore that he didn't That's have it. That's weird. He's definitely... I don't think he's credited on Man of Steel either. I think it's just Goya. That's really weird. Yeah, pretty interesting. Nolan, I think, gets a credit on Man of Steel for the story, along with him. Because they definitely worked on it together. Uh, um, anyway, back to... Four is way too uh, high, Mate, are you getting the impression I don't want to talk about this movie? But you did the same with Attack of the Clones. So That's I true, had, I've got to get... Well, to keep hey, hey, next point. week... Oh, Solo. Oh, no! Solo! I forgot! I forgot! Damn it! Oh, no! You can't have your fun for another... Hey, hey, hey. But but, but right after Solo... Uh, uh, Call sign, come in, come in. What? Who is this? Oh, this is Rogue... Rogue One. Rogue One? I hate that. Love it. It's great. What an awful film. I hate it. I love Rizal, man. He's great. He was having, like, the most bomb couple of years, and I'm really sad that he's not in... He's in this new movie about a drummer who loses his hearing that looks awesome, and I really want to see it. He's such a good actor. <laughs> Did you watch The Night Of? The HBO series that Steve... I started it. I didn't finish it. So good! Oh, man, you got to finish, finish it. it. It's, it's so... It's the, um... That's, um, Serial, the podcast. He's... It's yeah. roughly adapted from that guy's story. Yeah. Um, check this out. Um... What? Oh, yeah, you... <laughs> So we have the Battle of Kashyyyk, which... Nope, we have an establishing shot of Kashyyyk. Sorry, yeah, you're right. Then we're back to the Jedi Council. Anakin's like, oh, I should be a Jedi Master, blah, blah, blah. So Obi-Wan goes to Utapar to hunt down General Grievous. Yes. And uh, the droids see him, clearly see e- him. Excuse see me, that excuse me. A... He rides a lizard called Boga. Go on. Well, oh, what? Yeah, the droids see him. But no, 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 he arrested the planet. Oh, sorry, I jumped ahead. droids yeah. see him. Yeah. Obviously, they see <laughs> an, a Jedi master, a Jedi at least, come in, and then there's this guy. This guy. Like really tall. The Utapar and He's like saying, oh, it's, it's, oh, it's, oh, it's just nothing. There's Excuse no me. Here. This guy, played by Bruce Spence, Australian legend, actor if, who played yeah, the gyro I'm captain, sure who played the him. voice of Sauron, everyone played one of the sharks yeah. in Finding Nemo. Bruce Spence is a living legend. Um, everyone knows and him, yeah. As definitely. I pointed out to you, not only do the droids see him, but he's saying, Oh yes, everything's fine here. Nothing is wrong. Everything's happy. There's no war unless you brought it with you. Yeah. And then 
he's like, oh, okay, we'll give you something here. And then he just steps in like an inch and he's like, <laughs> we're being held hostage. They're right here. They're on level 10. Go kill them all. Did you bring extra backup? We really need it. Yeah, there's something I never got as a kid. Yeah. There's droids looking at at everyone, right? Yeah, yeah. Magnet and then, and then uh, he, he kind of like orders his, his droid to make the ship go away. Yes. Right? The droids can see. The droids can see that he can get, get into it. the ship. Like, how dumb are they? Yeah, but Obi Wan's a master of the Jedi mind trick, so clearly he just like was mind tricking everyone. No, <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what happened. But it's a droid. They Mate, can't mind yeah, trick a droid. It, it's Star Wars. Whenever you can't get out of a situation, it's you use the force. Magic. That's not how the force works. Yeah, that's right. That's not how the force it's works. The best, the best line. And then he gets into the lizard. Do you know the name? Excuse of? me, Boga. 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 It's a female. Yeah, it's a female. Everyone, and why did you assume it was a male lizard, Gabe? I think you need to check your. I think you really need to watch your language. Um. So uh, here's the thing. Yeah. About, um. Boga. The Boga. <laughs> yeah. The riding lizard. Oh yeah. What would you describe Boga as? Uh, I describe it as like a um iguana crossed with. What what are its attributes? Oh, know? it's really loud and noisy and very obvious. And and. Is it at all stealthy? No. Like, every step it does, it's like, boom, 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 Yeah, it's boom, a giant boom, lizard. Boom. It's a giant lizard. Everyone and it keeps screaming at random. Oh? 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 Can't do it. Um, yeah, can't and, it. Uh, but, but Obi-Wan's not trying to be stealthy. I mean, the first thing he does, he drops <laughs> down to the middle and, of the and crowd. Then, and then Gruber says, well, obviously. No, excuse me. Obviously, Obi-Wan says, hello there. Love it. General Kenobi! <laughs> and, and then, and then Grievous says, Kill him! And only the, the, the those droids with the spinning Yeah, he should just be like, ah, uh, yeah, just like, shoot him. What about the other thousand droids yeah. around him? They don't do anything. Uh, he's, only, like, he's only one of the most infamous Jedis in the universe. Like, why yeah. would you need to shoot him? And then we have what used to be my favorite fight in the prequels. Yeah, you're insane. I, do, I, do, you I, hear, do you hear what I just said? Used to be, yeah. Yeah, it used to be my favourite fight. And I watched it again and it's like... It's kind of you dull. were saying when we were watching it you still thought it was cool. No, and then we watched it. I said it right before it started. And then I, I was like... Eh. Can I can I just say something about the look you of this film? You can't see anything. You can't... Like, the, there is... Lightsaber's class, but this, you can't tell what's going it's on. It's ludicrous. But can I just say something? Like, David Tattersall, who shot this film, is a fantastic DOP. He shot V for Vendetta... He shot Speed Racer. He's like a very accomplished DOP and a pioneer, a true pioneer of digital cinematography. I think this film looks ghastly at some points. And we were watching it on your Blu-ray, which is the Complete Saga, which was, I think we found out, it was released in like... No, my Blu-ray. Well, the Blu-ray that you currently own. Um, And I think it was released, we looked it up in like 2013, 2014? It was close to The Force Awakens release. So yeah, like 2014 probably. Yeah, it's around there. Um... The re- yeah, like really bad. We're great. watching it on your TV, which is a good TV. We've watched, you know, we watched Game of Thrones season eight, episode three on it. It looked fine, so that shows you how good a TV it is. Your TV. Oh yeah, that's true, and it looked terrible. And it looked terrible. I think we tried watching it on yours, and it was better. Anyway, we've watched like lots of things that are very contrasty, very exposed. We I think we watched Crossover films and you know? absolutely. I think we watched Collateral at one point, which is like a film that has a huge amount of digital cinematography at night. Mm. So there's a lot of grain. There are shots of Obi-Wan in this scene and other scenes that are so grainy and we couldn't figure out why. 
I, th I thought it was a TV or something, and then we looked at the copy we have in... Yeah, I looked at another copy we have, and it was like, no, it's also there. It's, the... it's And it's everywhere. It's, it's everywhere. It's like... And it comes back to that thing where, you know, they were pushing the boundary of digital cinematography at this point, and, like, a lot of stuff shows up. Yeah. Which, that's one of the things that we have to be grateful to George Lucas for, because you and I just saw Gemini Man two weeks ago, Oh, right? my God. Yeah. Now... We talked about it last time. Gemini Man isn't going to be... It, it, obviously, at this point, Gemini Man isn't the movie that's going to make high frame rate the thing, right? Nah. But Polar Express wasn't the movie that made motion capture universal. Nah. Avatar was. Avatar was. And high, Gemini Man is not going to be the movie that makes high frame rate universal. Avatar will be. I'm afraid of Avatar to... He hasn't confirmed frames. if he's doing it or not. I don't want to... I, I don't think he will. I just don't want it. I just... It doesn't look good in movies. You know what like doesn't look doesn't... good is the editing, I think, in part. Because but, it feels like you're looking out a window. But it's, yeah, it's, 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 it just looks really, really weird. And I think the eye needs a ton to get used to it. You know what will help? And a couple of films before you, you truly get used to it. It's like if every movie we watch yeah, yeah. from now until Avatar 2 release is in 60 frames, but Avatar 2 release will be fine. No, I think what but Cameron will do really if he does it is progressive. No, this is <laughs> Ang Lee did it once before in a really seamless way, which was for Life of Pi, because all those opening scenes of the animals are shot at um, high frame rate. Yeah. Now my idea is what Cameron should do, and he doesn't need this advice from us, but oh no, you... please, Cameron, listen to no, us right now, Gabe. Like the best high frame rate stuff I've seen has been all footage of rainforests and jungles and like documentary footage Beauty stuff shots, that, yeah. yeah do that with Pandora for the first two minutes similar to how Avatar opens with flying over the forest if you did that in high frame rate and you had objects that are discernible like trees and grass and leaves and because you're looking at CG characters for so much of the film the frame blending is accurate the optical illusion is accurate like when you're playing a video game you don't think about that it's 60 it just seems right and part of that is the fact that you're in control, but another part of it is that because you're watching something that is made in a computer already, you've unlocked the full potential of that computer and you're just watching something that keeps up with the speed of your eye. I think if any universe and any director can nail it, Cameron can. I think uh, the idea of opening the film with nature shots of Pandora yeah. it's a pretty good idea. It's going to do that anyway. I mean, that's how we opened yeah. the first I think film. if he let us have like three minutes of almost unbroken footage of Pandora and Excuse the jungle. Because random animals. Because any, I would spend a whole movie watching a 60 frames documentary of the life of Pandora. Mm -hmm. That'd be great. That could work. Um, but what I wanted to say about Star Wars is that George Lucas on, this, on these films is innovating in so many ways that now we take for granted with the way that motion graphics are created. Sorry, with the way that computer graphics are created, with the way that sound design is approached in movies. These I'd movies say, are absolutely I think groundbreaking that's, in that's so many ways. That's one of the reasons we like this so much as kids. Absolutely. I mean, Lord of the Rings comes out, blows us all away. These films are a different kind of huge spectacle. It's a huge spectacle, a lot of CG and a lot of like, like you can do a lot with you know practical effects. Yeah. But you, Grievous, how would you do Grievous properly with practical effects? It. No, but that's not moving at high speed and like fighting other things. That's true. Oh, like, mate, that, that really scene where, I, where Mother like gets up and sprints is fucking terrifying. Love that scene. But I think it's CG in that show. Actually, no, I, I watched the Corridor Digital video on how they did it. The guy's naked. 
the guy's just seen his underwear oh. and they motion track mother onto him. Oh. Which is big. And the reason is because they need the accurate reflection data. So rather than having him like in a white suit, they just had him be like shirtless. There's I, ways to do it. and I, I, But like it, it'd be tough to yeah. do all of this with practical effects. It's impossible. It'd be impossible, right? Yeah. And like we watched this like as kids, closest to it was the old Star Wars probably and, and Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Right, so we watched this as kids and we loved it. And now we've seen Look, so many films do this. Oh, yeah. Way better. And way worse. And way worse. Yeah. Like, we're not like... He's just in a hamster wheel rolling around like... Oh, it's a silly scene. It's just like so many things that... It's massive. It's, it's, it's overbearing, the amount of action in this film. It's, yeah. tr- it's one of the most violent movies ever made. Even though it's, nah. you know, it's cartoon. Nah. There's, like, people getting set on fire. I think my, my whole film's There's gonna be children divorced. being murdered. You don't see it. <laughs> this film is really violent. Like, it's implications of, like, thousands of people dying. This film has a lot of death in but it. But there's not so much violence on screen, though. There's a lot. Like, there's a lot of people like, getting it's, shot. Here's the thing in um, Captain America Winter Soldier. Yeah. There's, like, in the first action scene. On the boat. In the boat. He's like hitting people in ways that would kill them. Oh yeah. There's one guy. He, he kicks, kicks a guy off the boat. And then hits like his back. Oh, he's dead. He's yeah. dead. Like he yeah. breaks his back and then goes off into yeah, the but water. He, he, he's dead. But he's a pirate, so. Mate. You but know it's he, not. It's not meant to. He's not meant to kill those people. He's knocking them out. Did you see that corridor video of how they made yeah. Marvel rated R? Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. Um, you know my favorite part of that scene. Is when um, he gets uh, Batroc, the guy played by um, the UFC fighter, whose name I've completely forgotten. Um, how he knocks him down, and then he sits down over him and goes, "Look at me! Look at me! I'm the captain now." Captain America. <laughs> Man, we got to watch Captain Phillips. Sure. Re- really good movie. <laughs> the next scene is Anakin goes and meets with Palpatine. Yes. Now. Gabe, how does if, Anakin feel I, if if you came to me, yes, and I started talking about how I was reading the works of Mao Zedong, maybe you'd be like, "Okay, that's uh, it's kind of interesting." And then if I said to you, "Oh, I'm actually also reading Stalin's Rules for Leadership," you'd be oh, like, "Oh, okay, that's okay." Now I've just I've just started reading Mein Kampf. Oh, <laughs> interesting ideologies in there. Not to take it too seriously, to be honest. <laughs> sure. Like, Palpatine is doing everything he can to tell him that he's a Sith Lord. And Anakin finally puts two and two together when Palpatine's like... <laughs> he pretty much says that he knows the way of the Dark Forces. He, yeah. Yeah, he does. So I don't think Anakin, like, puts one and one, one and two together. Palpatine pretty much says it. He, he does. I mean, he says, I know the way to save the one you love. Babaton, how do you know that? How do you know that Bam is thine? Well, and my I said master, anything. he taught me everything he knew, even the way of the dark side. Yes. Wait, what do you mean? What do you mean the dark side? Why are you talking side. about it? Wait, what do you mean by that? Anakin, I'm trained in the Force. What do you know about the Force? Where'd you, where'd you find that out? Uh, I just saw you've been trained by it. I mean, the other point I just have to make is that at the same time as this scene is happening, it's intercut with Obi-Wan fighting Grievous. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now... The only reason you intercut an action scene is either to relieve tension, which I don't think George is trying to do, or to increase tension because you want to show that there's multiple things going on and it's all escalating. And I think they're normally, this intercutting doesn't work for either. I think they're meant to be connected. 
What's the connection? No, 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 no. When you integrate in an accent scene and mm. a non-accent scene, yeah, they're meant to be about the same idea, uh, thing in the story. Contrasting ideas, which he does later oh, on with the with the birth ideas. of Vader and the birth of the twins. Right. Yeah. Right. But um, the thing is that in, I guess in this film it's a bit like as the leader of the separatists mm. dies, Anakin is pretty much goes full evil, right? That's uh, when... No, he doesn't, well, no, go, he doesn't go full evil he, at all. When the leader of the Separatist dies, the new leader of the Separatist is revealed, I guess. Yeah. Even though he's obviously the bad guy. But I guess that's what happens. I've got that's, a much simpler exclamation. George Lucas realised that the battle scene was going on way too long and actually needed to break it up with something. Yeah, that's a nice theory. Now, Anakin confronts Mace Windu and says, oh yeah, there's a Sith Lord. Uh, it's the Chancellor. It's mm -hmm. the central figure of our government like he is the most important person in the galaxy yeah he's a sith lord and Mason is like oh if only we could have seen this if only we'd known say I'm not gonna 90, tell anyone say 20 years ago that <laughs> i'm not gonna tell anyone there about this i'm gonna go sith and kill lord. him now <laughs> but like they know that the clones were paid for by a guy who was acting kind of shady they never look into it they never try to follow up remotely. It's it's just weird. It's just weird. It's pretty stupid. Now, after that comes what I think is one of the more interesting scenes of the movie, which is where Anakin and Padme are both staring at their respective sort of figureheads of the universe. So Padme is staring at the Jedi Council, which represents the Old Republic, and Anakin is staring at the um, Chancellor's headquarters, which represents kind of his, his hopes for his, a yeah, new... A new, a, new, a new hope, you might say. No, his hope to save Batman. Exactly, yeah. Right? Now, I think it's a really interesting scene, and I think it's one of the few scenes where George Lucas is actually trying to do something quite unique. And it's something you can only do in Star Wars, or a similar franchise of this size, where it's the sun setting on the final night of an empire. And I think that's a really powerful image. I think it's a really beautifully scored scene. I just wish it was in a better movie. Yeah. Um, it's one of the few scenes where George Lucas allows just pure vision and music. I mean, of course he allows it with the big battle scenes, but it's just two characters staring off into the distance, feeling emotion in, in, that resonates on screen. In the battles, there's things going on, and this is just two It's just two people staring. Staring to... It's great. You know, it's a really, really good scene. Mm -hmm. Then we get to your favourite scene. My favourite scene, yep. Where it's... Clearly set up who is the, who are the best Jedi masters. Well, Mace Windu and Kid Fisto. Yeah, arrive. The other two don't matter. Mace the Windu two and Kid Fisto. Oh, they they die within the first five seconds. It's hilarious. Well, what's even funnier? He may as well not have brought them. What's even funnier is that Palpatine has his lightsaber on his sleeve. Yeah, it's hidden up it's his shirt. There, but it's 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 always been there. He carries it in the Senate with him. <laughs> he carries it in the Senate. Any, any One day he drops it's like, oops, uh, I'm sorry guys, and drops like all his like thing. It's like in the Joker when he drops the gun in the hospital. <laughs> it's just like, oh, ignore this. No, it is. It <laughs> activates and they're like, why is why is your lightsaber red? And he's like, oh, well, you oh, know. Sorry. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and, um, yeah, they try to they try, much... they try to arrest Palpatine. It uh, does not go well. He jumps through. Excuse me. He twirls. He twirls through. He twirls through the air, going. Rah! And then he immediately kills one of them. Then the next swing kills the second one. Then sort of one swing. Kid Fisto def 
flex the the his lightsaber. Oh, we're going to do blow by blow on this. Okay, so he then he kills. He stabs one. He stabs instantly. one instantly. He second swing, he kills a second kill. Then Kid Fisto blocks two whole hits, three, four, five, and then dies. Dies. Yeah. He's so too... Kid Fisto knows how to take. The fact that Kid Fisto dies is a real sign that this is a serious battle. Yeah, that's right. Kid Fisto, you know, really famous Jedi. And Windu, <laughs> Windu's holding his own. Windu's really, like, doing pretty good up against Palpatine. Slices he, the window. It's an awesome shot. He wins. Mace Windu wins, yeah. Mace Windu wins. Mace Windu wins by kicking Palpatine down. I have to say, the Jedi do a lot of kicking and punching oh. in this movie. But only in this film. Not only in, in this ones. film, not in the other ones, yeah. In the, the other, other ones, ones they just maybe they learn from Darth Maul. Exactly. Um, I just have to point out that in the middle of this really frantic scene between Samuel L. Jackson and Ian McDermott, who I just want to point out are five years apart in That's age. That's crazy. That's nuts. Samuel L. Jackson right now is 70. Ian McDermott is 75. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. were five years apart. I invite any of you to watch this scene where they fight each other and tell me that they look like people that are nope. five years apart. Ian McDermott looks 20 years older yeah. than Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> and... um. I just want to point out, in the middle of this fight, there's a dolly shot where Palpatine's cornered, Mace Windu's got him at saber point, we've just been watching this epic fight between these two Jedi Masters, and we cut to a still wide shot of Anakin walking in at a brisk jog across the hallway. He he jogs in, and then he starts walking. Yeah, he jogs in, and then he turns into a light stroll as he sees, I want to remind you, the most powerful Jedi in the universe... Holding the Chancellor of the Republic at hostage. This would be like if you walked into the Oval Office and saw the Dalai Lama holding a sword to Donald Trump's throat. Like, it would be the most insane thing you'd ever seen. Like, he'd be freaking out. What what happened here? (laughs) I actually love how much I can now not get the image of... Samuel Jackson looking like the Dalai Lama and and Palpatine looking like Trump with his terrible hair. Oh, and Trump oh, saying man. unlimited power, yes. Unlimited, unlimited power. Unlimited, unlimited power. power to the Supreme Chancellor of so, the United Great States of America. So, um... Yeah, Palpatine tries to electrocute Samuel Jackson and then blames Samuel Jackson for electrocuting him. It's pretty funny. <laughs> now, people say that Palpatine's good in this movie. He's t- terrible in this scene. when He's, he's funny. Like, I'm too weak. Anakin, help me! I can save her. I have the power to save the one you love. Yeah. He's so pitiful and it's like, oh God, it's so dumb. He gives up. Now, (laughs) you disagree with me on this, but Mace Windu's like, he's too dangerous to be kept alive. He he needs to die. And you're like, he's wrong. And Anakin's like, he's wrong. Mace Windu's 100% right. I know, he's right. 100%. This guy is like evil. He's the last Sith. He's the last Sith. He has to be dealt with. Yeah, Yeah, but Anakin is destined to bring balance to the Force. And right now there is one Sith and a hundred Jedi. And by the end of this movie, there are two Sith and two Jedi. Yeah, that's balance. So Anakin Anakin brings balance. (laughs) It's not the balance they were looking for. Uh, Anakin chops off uh, Mace Windu's hand and uh, Palpatine throws him out the window. And I can't believe... Palpatine actually says power. You never noticed that? No, no, no. But like... That was like my favorite line as a kid. But like... You see, you see all the memes, right? With unlimited power. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's pretty funny, right? That's funny. It's an exaggeration. It's, it's, it's a funny meme. And in the movie, it's like, <laughs> unlimited power. And he throws him off. 
It's and hilarious. as we were saying at the beginning of this podcast, it's a really subtle indication that, Pal- that Palpatine has the power of the Force and the lightning and literal power coming out of his fingers. And also the metaphorical power of being the leader of the galaxy. And, and what does lightning represent? Power. Exactly. Literal power. As we know. Yes. Power. Yes. And then we have the war scene in the And world then world. Kanye West's power plays behind <laughs> him as he gets up. And then we have the war scene in the film. Clock's ticking. Order 66. No. Go. What no. do you mean the worst scene of the film? Oh yeah, no. The wor- sorry, your name. sorry. You mean so... the actual worst scene of the film? Yeah, the actual worst scene when he. What says, have I done? Your action, like, oh, like just hold myself by me. Oh, I don't know this power. <laughs> but if we work together, uh, she's gonna give birth in like ten hours. Can we just do it now? Please? She literally does give birth in like the next day. He's like, yeah. Wait, wait. I, I, I joined up with you because you promised me you could save my wife. If yeah. she was to die, if she was mm-hmm. to die in childbirth, mm-hmm. and Bobby's like, oh, I, uh, no, I don't know this power. <laughs> <laughs> and Egg is like, oh, all right, then he just kills oh, him right instantly, then. which is what he should do. Instead of dying, that yeah. And no, then, but instead he's like, I pledge eternal loyalty to you, my master. master. And and then um and then Palpatine just. Out of nowhere, he says, oh, he pulls out the Darth Vader. No, no, no. He, he doesn't get it out of nowhere. He pulls out a giant lottery machine and starts <laughs> twirling it. <laughs> like, Plagueis, Catan. Uh, uh, Can't uh, do this of me in here. Who are the other ones? Tevan. Who are the other, like, Darths from, like, the expanded universe? Oh. Who's the one in um, Old Republic? Like, the famous one? Revan. Yeah, you Darth Revan. Yeah. yeah. That's <laughs> been so long since I've seen that guy. Uh, we just watched the Rise of Skywalker trailer, right? Uh-huh. I mean, by the time this comes out, it will be two weeks old. But mm-hmm. um, Palpatine's not that interesting as a character. He's a fun character. He's fun, right? He's a fan. But like, character. like the whole thing is that t- the whole point. But he's of, just evil. But the whole point of Star Wars, he's the whole reason Star Wars is going on. I get that. He is. A, he's what started it. But. The thing that's interesting in Return of the Jedi is not Palpatine. It's that Vader is being drawn between Palpatine and Luke. Yeah. That's the genius thing that Return of the Jedi tries to do, and and I think succeeds in the finale, is that both Vader and Luke have to go through the journey of deciding if they're going to be good or evil. And Luke does it first and decides he'll be absolutely good. We'll talk about it. And then Vader is tested. Yeah, We'll talk about it in Jedi, but but my point is... There's so much built up around Palpatine and how important he is. He doesn't actually have much to do in these movies. Uh, well, like he activates. He or- has a lot to do. He activates Order sixty six and he fights Yoda. N- what? 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 Yeah. He he pretty much cr- he creates the clone army. Yes. He becomes no. The it's Chancellor. never clear that he creates the army. He creates the army. Come That's on. implied. But who it's not- makes the army otherwise? Well, it's it's he he's. He pretty much starts the war. Yes. With separatist. He he pretty much kills all the Jedi. I'm sorry. He is what uh, destroys the, the whole civil that whole civilization. And but my next question is going to be why does he need Anakin? Because of like you know the whole master Sith, apprentice. The whole Sith, the mm. the rule of two. How he's been. Palpatine has been brought up in the yeah. idea of like there's always two Siths. The Master and the Apprentice. The Master yeah. and the Apprentice. But the Jedi do that as well. 
But the year I meant were meant to be like welcoming and mm. bringing as many people as they can. As long as they're not too old. As long as they're not too we old. We need young, young ladies. It has to be like at least one year old. They need to be babies. Maximum a year old. Luke and Leia were about to be whisked away by Obi-Wan to be child soldiers. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, then Order 66 is activated. For many people, it's the highlight of the film. I it think, is to me. I think it's a scene that relies purely on John Williams' score. Yep. And the work of the designers at ILM to make some of the shots. Well, you, c- you can't not put the story in there. Because it's also a story. That's yeah, pretty much the end it's of... It's not that sad when it happens. It really isn't. Because we've had three movies to get to know these Jedi, and only one of them is a character that has spoken on screen, Kiati Mondi, who is the first one who dies, credit to them, and I think it's actually the most effective scene of the Order 66 fight, is when yeah, it is. all the troopers are following him, and he's saying, come on! And then they all stop, and you see their feet skid to a halt, and then they just open fire on him. It's by far yeah, the it's, most... It's, it's, that's the best. Yeah. Although, that's right before that, the bit where Commander Cody, um, who's just been um, handed Obi-Wan his lightsaber back, and obviously they're having like this good camaraderie. Obi-Wan rides yeah. off and then uh, he gets the call from Palpatine, Commander Cody. That, that's that's something I actually really like, how he immediately cold he is oh, about it. Yeah. He just, I don't like, think it's the call. I think they're programmed. It's order, just do it. No, do you, I, I don't think they, 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 there's something on their brains. That's their job. Okay, our true leader still has to kill mm. this guy. Let's just do it. That's their job. Mm. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I've never gotten over that plinker thing about how George came up with the number. <laughs> Pretty funny. Commander Cody, what should it be? It should be like an evil number. Like 666? Six, six, six? Like 666. Six, six, six. No, that's too obvious. What about Order 6? No, it doesn't sound like they get many <laughs> orders. orders. What about Order 66? Okay, great. Next scene. <laughs> it's like, so dumb. I mean, it's, it's, this, is a, this is a dumb movie designed for children. But, you know, there's a difference between being a movie made for children that, like, talks about real things and real issues and real societal problems and being a movie made for children that uses that as an excuse to make bad movies. Like, the same year as this movie comes out, you know what else comes out? No. Shark, Shark Boy versus Lava Girl? No, that's not the right year. I'm pretty sure... Or Spy Kids 3D. It's one of the two. It might be Spy what Kids 3D. What is your 3D. point about that? Great movie for children. No, Way no. smarter. No, they're not. Have you seen all Spy Kids? I've seen one and three. No, it is Sharkboy Lava Girl. 100%. I know this. I've seen that one. 2005. Terrible. Gotcha. Yep, Sharkboy and Lava Girl. Terrible film. I, I kind of liked Spy Kids when I was a kid, but that is terrible. Sharkboy and Lava Girl? Yeah, it's awful. Pretty bad film. Hey, hey, come on. Racer, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, Racer Max has more screenwriting credits than you or I do. Yeah, I don't care. If, if it's like... George Lucas has more script writers than me, and he's an awful writer. So, hey, Racer Max is a better world builder than George. No, no. I wonder what Racer Max is up to now. Um, I don't care. We still got Star Wars. <laughs> yep. Yeah, so all the Jedi die. Yoda drops his cane. Yeah, that, that, he's that, really that, <laughs> wow. <laughs> your favorite scene of the movie. You're yeah, like, we all know what Order sixty six is when they execute everyone and. Uh, uh, the music is really good. Um, the music's inc- and like all the when is the music cool. bad? Name one uh, scene of this best. movie where the music is bad. It's never bad. It's, it's, it's always but good. It's not, it's, many times it's not noticeable. Yoda is the only Jedi <laughs> we see um, get the better of the clone troopers. And I find it hilarious that um, after Yoda kills uh, the clone troopers, the Wookiees are like, ah, yep, yep, that's what we're doing now. Oh, we're okay, killing them. And he's showing them. He has 
You know doesn't explain seen? himself or anything. You know what we should have seen? Wookiees um, killing clients. Because after oh, this, that you see... Great after this, scene, yeah. Yeah, like you see them all turn on each other. After this, Unlike, you see... Like the first time you see the clones like, actually fail. Because oh, clones, that'd be great. If Wookiees are like huge monsters. Hey, you know what Wookiees love to do? What? Pull arms out of sockets. Yeah. Just saying. Up amazing. And then we get to what I think is one of the... You know how I said in Phantom Menace that a lot of the world building and a lot of the story destroys the mythology of Star Wars mm-hmm. and the, the beauty and the purity of Star Wars. This oh, scene... You mean this scene is the one that destroys the... And by this scene, we mean, of course, Anakin walks in... Uh, the, the clones are killing all the Jedi. Anakin walks into the... Sen- it's not even a random room. It's the Jedi Council Chambers. Like, it's the most sacred room that's, in that's the tower. What the, that's what the kids are hiding. Because they went there to find the masters. They went there because that's where the masters are. That's... The safe place. Anakin walks in and about a group of 10 or so children emerge from behind chairs because they feel safe because Anakin's there finally. He's on the council. A young child asks him, Master Skywalker, there are too many of them. What are we going to do? Anakin, without even thinking about it, ignites his lightsaber and off screen murders 10 or 11 children. If not more. It's a... It's... Now, pretty Gabe, awful. Gabe, we've watched adaptations of Macbeth and adaptations of Hamlet and um, seen some pretty, you know, dark characters over the years who have had redemptions and who've been compelling, right? Mm-hmm. Like, lots of characters come to mind. Mm-hmm. Do you think it was really necessary for Anakin Skywalker, a character who we know will be redeemed by the end of Return of the Jedi, mm. to murder children? No. It is... Without a doubt, the strangest story choice George Lucas makes in all of the prequels. Uh, it would have been interesting if he actually let them go. That would have been great. If he walks into the, the scene. Holy fuck, he that would have been good. He walks into, into the Jedi Council room after killing a Jedi. He turns his lightsaber off. You've just started he playing goes, Force Unleashed, right? And then he sits... No, I'm downloading it. Oh. He sits in one of the chairs. And he's like, I'm finally a master now. Or that like, would be great. And I'm like... Oh, look at you, where you the, are, and then the young okay. come, come out. The, and then he helps them out. It's like, oh, that, that would have been sweet. But no, this, this isn't a spoiler for Force Unleashed. Because it's the I've only, played it's, it before. Well, it's the only scene. So, like, Vader is destroying the Wookiees on Kashyyyk, right? Yeah. And he, he's looking for this, um, this uh, Jedi, yeah. and the Jedi has... A, and he's like, I sense somebody here much more powerful than you while he's force-choking the Jedi. Where is your master? And he's like, you killed my master years ago. And then the son takes Vader's lightsaber. And the son's like four or five years old. And Vader's like, a son. And then he kills the father in front of him and throws him aside. And he's looking at this young boy. And then all of the clone trooper, the stormtroopers run in and they're like, oh, Lord Vader. Oh, I see. We'll dispose of this child. And they go to kill him. And Vader murders all of them and takes the son. He's like, more are going to be coming. You need to come with me now. And Vader takes him under his wing. That would be great. That's a really good idea, Gabe. That like he actually helps the kids escape because he knows they're not a threat. And mm-hmm. he's so powerful at this point that he doesn't care. Mm-hmm. That's a really good idea. And you're going to have so many spin-off movies with each of the kids when they grow up. And then you see Padme yeah. looking at the, uh, the burning Jedi Temple, which at the beginning of the film you see like firefighter ships and you get a sense of like this is a big eclectic city that is mm-hmm. ready to respond to disasters like this. This is the equivalent of, like, if the Vatican blew up blew, overnight yeah. and all other churches around like, the earth. If it happened right now, both of us would stop this recording and start watching Instantly. the TV. This would be... Like, it'd be, like, the biggest news of all time. This would be the and craziest thing. It wouldn't be just a fire, like, nothing around. It would have been, like, a blow-up. 
Well, even Notre Dame well, was like a huge deal. Yeah, it was a huge like, deal. Like I was watching that news all day when that happened. Yeah, it was, it was devastating. Shocking. Yeah. Oh yeah, Jimmy Smith. Jimmy Smith shows up. Um, he sees a young Jedi played by George Lucas's son, Jet Lucas. He's fucking awesome. He kills like he's great. Yeah, clones. He kills more than Kid and the and like all the other masters. Yeah, yeah. He he's more effective than most of the Jedi. He's more effective than Yoda, who kills only two. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, and, he's and, about and to then kill George a bunch Lucas more. kills his own son in screen. Yeah, it's kind of weird, but whatever. It's pretty weird. Jimmy Smith's though. So good. I remember that moment for the trailer where Jimmy Smith is like yelling, No! No! That was a great trailer. Where it's just the, the drums, like the... We should have seen the trailer before doing the recording. It's a good trailer. I haven't seen it. It's really good. It's like genuinely one of the best trailers um, I can remember for a movie. And it's just Palpatine oh. saying the dark side was of it, the was force. Was it Fellowship or Two Towers that had an amazing trailer? Two Towers. Two Towers. Like oh, man. With, um, oh. With, Clint, with Clint Mansell's... Um, oh, yeah, Requiem for, the Requiem for a Dream um, orchestral remix. Yeah, so good. It's an amazing trailer. Dun, 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 yeah. dun, dun. Anyway, Palpatine gets elected Supreme Chancellor. This is how Liberty dies with thunderous applause. Obi-Wan goes to the Jedi Temple with Yoda Mm -hmm. and they figure Mm -hmm. out that Anakin has murdered children. Yep. And Obi-Wan's like, it can't be. It can't be true. And Yoda's like, we need to kill them both. And Obi-Wan's like, I'm not going to kill Anakin. I'm not going to do it. This is my brother. And I'm sorry. Anakin's my brother. I want to kill him. He just murdered children. Children. Yeah, like you, I, I, like you're my you're my best mate, and um, you're my bro. If and, and tomorrow can... you had murdered several <laughs> children, I don't think I'd hesitate to murder you. <laughs> no offense. Cold blooded murder. Like, if we did it together, then... like if I call tomorrow to your house and I see you've murdered me, I'd be like, okay, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Okay, like, we're oh, gonna get Rob. We're gonna get my friend. It's fine. Are you gonna be my Robert Kardashian and like completely? Support me through the whole thing. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, right, you didn't do it. That's right. Impossible. Oh no. I you've seen the real reaction when Robert Kardashian yeah. finds out when when they read out that OJ's found not guilty and Robert Kardashian just stares off into dead space. Yeah. And um, Hello Darkness, my old friend, starts playing in his eyes. It's so weird. And yeah, they never talked after that, which is pretty interesting. Impressive. Now. Obi-Wan goes to Mustafar, Yoda goes to the... Um... Uh, actually, Obi-Wan sneaks That's into... Right. No, he goes Padme. to see Padme first. Yeah. And he admits that he knows that Anakin's he, the father of their he children. He pretty much tricks Padme mm. into going to Mustafar. Yeah, he kills Padme, basically. It's his fault that Padme goes into that situation. 100%. Because he doesn't know where... Must- well, he doesn't know about Mustafar. He doesn't know where Anakin is, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So... Yeah, it's his fault that Pame is in that situation. And then he doesn't and, say and, 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 and then he just shows up and like in a threatening way in front of Anakin when he's talking to Padme. It's like, well, we're jumping, over, okay, we're jumping over a lot of stuff. Because Padme arrives, she yeah. goes to Anakin, mm-hmm. um, and she says, Obi-Wan told me terrible things about how you murdered children. And then um, Anakin's like, oh, you know, murdering children is like a certain point of view, you know. And he basically starts saying, you know, Padme, we can rule the galaxy the way we want. And she's like, I can't believe what I'm hearing. Anakin, you're breaking my heart. And all of a sudden, <laughs> this character, who we've seen be this assertive, strong-willed, um, fierce fighter, is just like a weeping little schoolgirl. And it's so bizarre. It's really painful to watch, actually. I think Natalie Portman is trying her best, but it's a really tough scene. It's really tough to act. 
It is a bad character assassination. I've seen us. Yeah, I've seen there is a lot worse, but there is. Yeah, it's, it's pretty bad. A it's it's a bad one, but like it's bad because not only is but it. See, it's kind of like the whole cliche thing of like, oh, now she's become a housemaid. And I hate that. Yeah, it's so sexist, and it's and it's, and it's sexist. It's, it's really bad. misogynistic and really gross, and I don't think it was intentional by George. No, but the not. fact that he didn't think about it like that no. is kind of part of the problem. Yeah, like. You and you and I wouldn't like call ourselves massively social, um, socially conscious filmmakers with the kind of films we make. I don't think either of us would look past something like that in one of our films. It's a pretty guess, obvious thing to avoid I guess when you're writing can, female can, characters. I guess it can happen to you, like subconsciously. Like it, it, maybe I just made up that word. Maybe you didn't. Maybe he didn't realize that happened. Yeah, that's why you need someone to tell you. Oh, by the way, Padme used to be. Action or yeah. cool before. You know who probably should have told him that? Natalie Portman. Yeah, maybe. I think Natalie Portman was scared of George Lucas being done a bit. No, I, she she's talked about having a really good time actually on these films. From everything I know, like she did that wonderful SNL rap a few years ago where she like defended the prequels and yeah, I, I think she's <laughs> oh, wrongly. Nah, she's, yes. It, have you seen that rap? Nah, it's hilarious. It's really funny. Um. Obi-Wan, uh, Anakin force chokes Padme. Is that the first time he force chokes? Yes, it's the first time he shows that he can do that ability. It's a pretty obvious ability. I guess so. Like if, you know the, if you know how to push things, you'll know how to choke things. I think it's the first time we see it canonically in Star Wars, going by these films. Because Palpatine definitely doesn't, and um, no other characters do. So Obi-Wan and Anakin fight. And it's really long. Oh, there's a v- there's oh, a it's long. There's a VFX breakdown on the um, DVD talking about all the different teams who worked on it, and it's like it's like 800 people just for this sequence, and it really didn't need to be this long. Mm, nah, nah, it didn't to be. It's it's very we were, we were watching it right. Mm. They start outside, then they go inside the room with all the, all the controls. They fight there for like a good while. They're kicking each other and punching kicking each other in the face. Each other. Like, you have the force. You don't need to kick each other. Yeah, then they go outside and they're, like, in these tubes and, like, they can't not to fall off. They keep fighting there and then go into these huge breaches that then it cl- collapses and into stuff. Into lava. And it's like, is this one of the, like, most... What is the word? I'm Overindulgent? Thinking? Overindulgent things. Almost certainly. In any film. Like, I'm thinking Avengers Endgame and, like... You have a huge battle there. That battle is so short compared to this. But it's, I'm not even talking about length. I'm talking about what is actually going on yes. on the screen. Because in, in they start outside and near the ship and they end up on a river of lava. Yes. J- jumping around in a hill, like hitting each other. Yeah, yeah he ends up on the high ground. It's important to yeah. say. And, but in, in something like Endgame... It's two armies. They, 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 this battlefield was a nice area before. It's been blown up by this star, uh, starship, right? But and then they just kind of fight, and then you go into small it's not really, fighting moments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right? right. It's not really about the cold battle like Apelinor Fields is. It's much more about who's got the gauntlet. Like it's a very yeah. simple thing you're following. Yeah, but in here it's it's like trying to be so spectacular. Yeah, and everything that is going on is like what. It's very well, detached from any and I kind can of... I am really easy but, um I am really good at following what's going on in action. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I play a lot of video games and I and I never get confused in videos or anything. And I know a lot of people get confused in video games and action battles like that. But like this is like you're skipping over so the most, pointless. You're skipping over the most I know. important I just point wanted to make, why I just, this is pointless. I just wanted to make my point on how stupid the visuals are. Yeah, no, the visual is stupid, but the thing that really sucks, the thing that's so pointless about both this battle and the Yoda-Palpatine battle that's going on at the same time, is we know all these characters survive. Yeah, it's the only battle that we know they're all going to be at We fine. know at the outcome of everyone. Like they're in, they're in, only characters from, that are in the OT. Yes. Not even Jimmy Smith is in the OT. Yeah. No, he's not. That's what I'm saying. He's not in the OT. Oh, yeah. So he, he, he could be in a fight. You're saying he should have been in a lightsaber battle. No, he should have been like running away from the battles or something. Because whether or not he's going to die or not. And if it's meant to be about the tragic fall of Anakin Skywalker, why isn't it tragic? Why does he have to be the most evil human being who's ever existed? I don't think it's meant to be a tragedy. It's obviously meant to be a tragedy. They talk about another tragedy that's meant to be a parable to this in the movie. It's meant the, the oh, Plagueis. Plagueis, Plagueis. It's meant to be about the fall of Anakin Skywalker. But to be honest, by the time you reach the end of this movie, it doesn't feel like he's really changed that much. Like all that's happened is yeah, he's lost his arm and he's been like his burned. actions are she's done other radical actions, but Well yeah, murdering like children. A, yeah, that's he literally went say, from I want to save my what he went from I want to save my unborn children to I need to murder these other children. But he's murdering those children to save his unborn child. It's, it's really fucked up. It's really fucked up. Do you think it's secretly about stem cell research? No. <laughs> um, by the way, something I... One of the things... No, I just want to say one thing about Anakin turning evil. So, the famous image of him in this film is him with the glowing yellow gold eyes. And I didn't realise until this watch through that he doesn't get those after he kills all the Jedi, who are his friends, let me remind you. His friends and his colleagues... And, like, young children who he's probably mentoring in some capacity. They know, they know him. They know exactly who he is. He's like a legendary Jedi. I mean, he, defo- he defeated an army when he was, like, eight. Like, he's a legend. The fact that it's after he kills the members of the Trade Federation that he's truly evil. He's truly lost. Those guys are like arms dealers. Like, you can kill those guys in the beginning of the movie and it's fine. Yeah. They should just die in the beginning. The fact that it's not... After he like after he kills children, he goes and speaks to Padme, and they have like a normal conversation. I'm like, <laughs> you are gone. He like, literally just you have just committed genocide. Yeah, he, he he literally did commit a form of genocide. He and, wiped and, out and a religious he's just talking culture. Talking to his love interest, like, oh no, it's fine. I don't think it's that bad. Just wait here for me. I'll I'll come back. Yeah, it's so it's so weird. It's really weird. Um, I wanted to point out something that um yeah. I find it really funny how. Um, George Lucas realized mm. that Anakin had to lose all his limbs. Yes. And something happened to his skin and her. And like, yeah. Because him. you see that shot. Because you see that shot in Empire. All that has to happen to him before the end of the film. So, <laughs> we went just one, one move. In Cuts one all move. his li- li- limbs and then lets him burn. Let's him burn to death. Wow, you got there like drastically quick. Yeah, yeah, it's nuts. Like Jesus, and um, we didn't mention the best fight, which is what Palpatine versus Jordan. Oh well, there's a reason we didn't mention that because it's not the best fight. It's but really... you, have, you have something really interesting to say about it that you mentioned it during the screening and during. The oh screening. no, sorry, I was just talking about the genius of George Lucas's symbolism of how Palpatine uses the Senate to fight Yoda. 
Get that it? sounded sarcastic, but it's pretty cool how he's actually. It would be cool in a cool movie, but it's a cool idea. Come on, it's a cool idea. You keep talking about movies that awful movies that have cool ideas in them. <sighs> yeah, film all right, with all right. Cool idea I can see it. that it, it is a very clever way to stage a battle. It would be better if the Senate had actually been kind of used in the movies in a yeah. creative way like we were talking about that voting scene that should be in phantom menace mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. i was watching uh, mr smith goes to washington again a few months ago that, that's sort of, that sort of mean a contrast yes so in that film in phantom menace you see democracy succeeding it's huge democracy really indecisive they have to do multiple votes or something and like it's but he barely wins yeah. and on the, in this film he just wins instantly he wins instantly yeah everyone's on his side yeah and it's like, oh my god! He's, he's paid off the right people. He's yes. climbed his way to the top. Oh my god! Like, could have been great. Yeah. It could have been House of Cards in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you don't need that many hours to set that up, really. You could do it in three films. Um, Padme gives birth to twins, which is a surprise to they everyone. They have twins. It's, they had no it's, idea. She, she has. She has never seen a um, an obstetrician through this no, entire so process. She's never had a checkup or anything. She's nope. like, oops. Oh, in this I'm world of fancy robots, there is no robot to tell you how your baby's do doing. Do they have internet in this world? They don't, do they? They must, because they've got, like, archives and shit. But they have to pick it up. They have to go to the archives <laughs> to get it. Do, do you think Dexter Jetster just, like, spends his old night researching different kinds of darts? And that's why Obi-Wan knows that he's, like, the guy? I'm trying to think, <laughs> is there ever, like, some kind of search database? They, well, nah. they, they, they search for planets in their ships and stuff. But that's a database. That's not... I, I just think that's data that the ship knows already. All right, all right. That's the way I look at it. Otherwise... <laughs> I don't know. That's not important. Anyways. Uh, Leia... I mean, the Leia internet, not, the internet's Leia, not going to tell you if you have twins or not. Not Leia. Padme didn't know she had twins. No. No one did. No idea. But she names both kids instantly. instantly. I guess she had two names for... If, if it was, was a boy or a girl. Or a girl. I guess that's what happened, but she just says it. She's like, look, Leia. She actually just said, look, I have a baby. And they, they just wrote down Luke. That's what they did. <laughs> no, that's awful. That's um, an awful joke. It's and then funny. we have nothing else to talk about because there's a scene with Yoda and Obi-Wan where Obi-Wan's about to leave. He's about to go to Tatooine to take the boy. And Yoda says to him, Mm, been speaking with Qui-Gon beyond the grave I have and everyone's <laughs> like what why is this not in the deleted scenes <laughs> what it's so bizarre I, I always thought that was how there was a moment that um, he kind of tells him oh you can go and talk to Qui-Gon so he could learn how to become a force host that's what it mean. yeah that's exactly what it means the problem is pretty funny it do, you don't need to explain why he can do that it's just something he's learned obviously in the years between Anakin gets put in the Vader suit. He does his uh, now infamous line. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Wife's dead. Don't Fuck have it. any babies to worry about. No alimony. Ones. Oh, that'd be hilarious. Uh, <laughs> that would be a hilarious kid. Oh, she's dead. She's dead. Fuck yeah. Let's go and get the crack some cold ones in the backyard. And he just cracks it on like his suit. She's got all these edges. I love that robot chicken sketch about um, Palpatine gets the voice call from Vader about when when he's lost the Death Star. What? They blew up the Death Star. Well, where are you? Somewhere in space. We didn't finish paying for it. 
and stop crying about old Pompadour or, or Padme or whatever her name is. <laughs> oh my god, he's crying. <laughs> so good. Okay. okay, I love you too. And then, um, yeah, Padme has a funeral. My favorite character, Sayo Bivol, shows up in one shot. Your actual favorite character, yeah. Keisha Castle Hughes plays the Queen, who is famous now for Game of Thrones and previously for Whale Rider. She's one of the Sand Snakes in Game of Thrones. Oh. Yeah, she's Whale Rider. She's, um, she got an Oscar nomination at like nine years old. Oh, yeah. So let me ask you. Yes. What is the final, final line in this film? I can tell Pre-pops. you what the final line is. Yes. Um, Jimmy Smith tells one of the engineers on the Tantive 4, the blockade runner. It's very important we point this out because the film begins and ends with C-3PO and R2-D2 on this ship. And the final line spoken in the prequels, because the last couple of scenes are without dialogue, is C-3PO, after being told his mind is going to be wiped, saying, Oh no! That's the final line of the prequels. Final line of prequels. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Another funny thing about the ending... The Death Star is almost finished. It's almost ready. Yeah. It and takes like, them another 20 years to fully finish yeah. it. But you know what? And then, then the new engineer is later as well to finish it. For some no, reason. because Orson Krennic leaves and they can't then progress stalls. Yeah, but... Th- it's probably not the final Death Star. It's probably like the first oh, one they build. come on. Yeah. Well, it's, it's clear in come Jedi on. that they're able to build them pretty quickly. Yeah, that's true. But the, the disc is already being built. Yeah, it's a small... And then in... in Rogue One. Yeah, but it looks cooler in Rogue One. So I'm gonna let it. It does, and like it has a thematic meaning in Rogue One, whereas it's just thrown in for fan service. Yeah, but they break the canon, which is pretty important. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, Ewan McGregor, (laughs) Obi Wan Kenobi delivers baby Luke to Aunt Beru, who is now Aunt Beru. She wasn't an aunt previously. Now this is huge. Aunt Beru takes the baby, immediately accepts it. And then turns to find Owen, who is staring off at the twin suns, the binary sunset. And you and I were just thinking, so Owen has dreams. Owen wants to be out there. He's got the same attitude as Luke. Baru hands him the baby, and he immediately is like, yep, cool, we're parents now. He barely reacts. He looks at it. Owen is played by the legendary Joel Edgerton, who has gone on to be an incredible writer, director, and actor. Mm. Um, Owen looks at the baby for all of one second, and then looks off at the stars... And that is the ending of Star Wars. It's, it's kind of funny how it feels uh, like... What's his name? George Lucas. No, the, uh, the uncle. Oh, uh, John Legend. John Legend. I know, I know, I'm very... What's the guy? The, oh, Uncle Owen. Uncle Owen. Yeah. Owen Lawrence. He, he's like, he has the... Like you said, he has the dreams. Kind of like, feels like Luke. Yeah. He kind of, he, he kind of gives up his dreams for Luke, who later goes to save the galaxy. Yeah, that's an interesting take. That's an interesting take. Well, it's interesting because, like... He goes to doom the galaxy. (laughs) He puts a lot of pressure on Luke to, like, not have big dreams and not look to the stars. And I think that's a kind of interesting read, is that Owen was this kind of young, idealistic dreamer. Anyway, we're giving the movies more credit than they probably deserve. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so that's Revenge of the Sith. And that's the prequels. That's all three of the prequels. I mean, I, I don't know if we touched on enough detail of the film itself. Like... Overall, I'd say technically it's the most ambitious of all three of the films. Hmm. I think story-wise is the most ambitious as well. Yeah, because it's trying to no, that's do true. So much emotionally, so emotionally, much. it's by far the most ambitious. And it's also Although, no, I actually think two is the most ambitious because two is but, trying to tell a love story, which is one of the hardest <sighs> kind of movies to make. I think it's one. Of, 
it's, I don't think it's that hard. To make an honest-to-God love story, like to make yeah. a story where you mm. actually believe two people have fallen in love is really hard. I just think people name, fail name to Name, like, it. two movies that you have seen recently that, like... Oh, recently? Like, Hang Empire on. works as a love story, but in part it's because of um, it's A New Hope. Acting. I said that's the acting. No, I think, it's pre- I think it's pretty well written in Empire. The way yeah. that they develop their chemistry. Yeah. Because like, there's the bit where she falls in his lap and he doesn't let her go and he's like, don't get excited. And she's like... Yeah, but I feel like in in Revenge, yeah. George kind of realised how little groundwork he had done to yes. set up the OT. As we've said with all these films, there's a huge amount of course correction. And then he like tried to like write everything in like yeah. really fast. Absolutely. And like that's why there's a lot of the film that it's just... There's a lot of dialogue scenes in, in Coruscant going back and forth with Anakin to different areas. Yes. So with talking Anakin, to the Jedi, talking to Palpatine, Palpatine seeing like, like why the Jedi don't trust like him, seeing try, why Palpatine doesn't trust him. They're setting up a lot of Absolutely. stuff. And they're trying to catch up. It's cut. It's a lot of catch up. And it's like, it's, dude, you spend two movies, you set up the clones, you set up... Set up, up the clones. You set up the, the love story and that's all you did in two movies. And... Two of those things were in one of those films. Yes. It's like, come on. Like, he he had a lot of time to make these films. Well, thank like, God that Disney decided before making another trilogy to think out the whole trilogy and how everything would pay yes, off. I know, right? I know, right? Thank Man. God they had, like, a plan and, like, it's all structured from the start. Oh, wait a second. Now, this is the end of the Lucas era of Star Wars after this film. Because, of course, six years after this film comes out, he sells Star Wars to Disney. Yeah. So, in a way... 2011? Mm-hmm. 2011 is when he sells it. I feel like it was 2011. Maybe it was 2011. I thought it was 13. Might be 13, yeah. So, I, I, was, I, I was in Australia for a bit when it happened. Okay. And I arrived in 2011. So, yeah. I'm be. trying to remember what my reaction was. I think I was sort of like... I was happy. Really? I was happy when I saw that... The original cast wasn't in it. I wasn't because I already felt a little bit of the Disney owns everything virus. Like, because Studio Ghibli Studio yeah. Ghibli was the first one for me where I was like, oh man, like, is that going to affect Ghibli? And then with Ponyo, I kind of felt like it was. And then Wind Rises, I felt a lot better. Um, Studio Ghibli is in a really tough place now with Hayao. He's coming out of retirement, but people are kind of questioning whether the studio can survive beyond him. Because um, Takahata and all these other incredible geniuses who work there, they haven't had the same kind of success. And there's other studios, of course, like um, Shinkai's got his studio that's taking off. And it'll be interesting to see what happens to Ghibli in a post Hayao Miyazaki world. But I'm so grateful that he's making another film. George Lucas should make another film. I really think so. I really want him to before he um, he passes on into to be a force ghost. I'd love to see what he'd do now. I know he's produced some weird little films like that um, that big magic film and Strange um, Magic. Strange Magic. I've never seen it. And uh, nope. Red Red Tails. Like, Red Tails. Yeah, I, I, I want. He's he's obviously involved with the next Indiana Jones. Is he? No, he's no, not because Lucasfilm purchased it. Yeah. Damn, that's right. He'll be involved in some capacity. He'll definitely mm. like. I don't know. We'll see. This is the last film he made. This is the last feature film he is credited as a director. Yeah, on. he's the last film he's directed. Yes, not made. But he's directed. only he's only directed eight films. No, no. Um, no. Oh, five films, no. right? THX. THX. American Graffiti. Graffiti. No, six. New Hope. Six. Six. And then the three. Where's yeah. the sixth? 
No, THX. THX. American Graffiti. A New Hope. Oh, yeah. Yeah, six. I'm good. Me good. Mathematics. He directed a perfect six. Hey, you know what? I, you, you know how? <laughs> nope. Hey, you know how the other day we were talking about how a great director, like a legendary director, has directed ten masterpieces, and like Spielberg, Kurosawa, um, Scorsese, knocked that out of the park, no question. And then I was thinking about, but there's guys who made like five films that are master. Like I was thinking about Coppola. Like you've got Godfather, Godfather Two, Conversation, Apocalypse Now, Rainmaker, um, Rumblefish. You've got all these amazing films. There are some guys who haven't made 10 masterpieces. Like, Kubrick didn't. Kubrick made 10 films, but I wouldn't call every single one of them a masterpiece. He made at least eight that are, like, the greatest films of all time. Like, George Lucas, I think, made five of the greatest films ever made. Five? Yeah. Yeah. What is... THX, American Graffiti, New Hope. Phantom Menace, Surrender to the Sith. Don't do that. No. Man, I wish these movies were better. I wish they were good. At least. Well, the next time we reconvene, we're going to be talking about a film directed by the man who George Lucas wanted to direct these films. And hilariously, he only ended up directing the next film because the other two directors, who are also weird young visionaries, were fired. So We're fired out of incompetence, I thought. I've heard so many conflicting stories. And given their track record, like, just think about this for a second. Yeah, no, do you really believe it. that? Do you really believe that? We'll talk about this next week. This is a huge part of what is interesting about the Disney era because both Rogue One and Solo have very similar experiences with the way that the directors are handled on the films. It is almost polar opposite to the way Force Awakens, Last Jedi, and from what I've heard, Rise of Skywalker have functioned in terms of the director's freedom on set. It's really insane, and I can't wait to talk about it next week. I, I just think I just think um, it's on the directors a lot more. We'll talk about the stories because I've got a lot of um, reading I've done on um, Chris Miller and Phil Lord and a lot I've done on Gareth Edwards and Tony Gilroy. But essentially, this is the end of the Lucas era. And we're going to touch on it again, of course, with the original trilogy. Yeah. But this, these were the most expensive independently financed films of all time and some of the most successful ones. And given this age of Disney Star Wars, I do truly look back on the prequels and feel both a deep... A deep nostalgia for the time when one single creator was in charge of every aspect of this production, but also a deep appreciation for how difficult it is for somebody else to translate that vision into something cohesive. And, you know, people now like to say that the Disney films have destroyed Star Wars and that they're, you know, messes of films. They're a lot better than these films. Yeah. Like, my The Last Jedi, which is my least favourite of the Disney films other than probably Solo... That film is much better than all the prequels. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, it might be. It actually might be. be I don't it know. is. These prequel films, everyone says, oh, well, it has that really interesting Puppetin story. <laughs> it's like, I it's hope we've disproven that. It's it's barely on it. And like, it's thrust. It's it's not very good. Mm. But once again, neither is The Last Jedi. So I don't know. Well, it's midnight. I'm going to go. This has been our Road to the Rise of Skywalker Thank you so much for listening. Please tune in next week for our episode on Solo, A Star Wars Story, and Rogue One. We're actually doing two other We're going to do uh, Tufa, I reckon. So you're making us liars then? Yeah, we're doing both. We're doing the spin-off making, movies. We said in the first episode, we said that we were doing 10 films 10 weeks before The Rise of Skywalker. I don't know if we actually have 10 so weeks we, left by this point. We are Let's liars. check the schedule off mic and figure this out. Hey, 
Um, thank you for listening. May the force mm-hmm. be with you. Good night. Okay, bye.